This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network as we will take a look at the NFL playoff picture heading into the final week of the regular season. Week 18, we'll preview the games coming up and uh, get Omar's insights coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, get Bo's thoughts on the college football playoff as well as the NFL playoff picture uh, on today's show. We'll have Tom Fullery coming up later. Uh, Big 12 breakdown as well with a look at the uh, first weekend of Big 12 basketball action uh, that we'll have as well. So plenty to get to on today's show. As we join you for the first time in 2024, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, Tom Spritzer is here with me as well. Tom, Happy New Year to you. Good to hear from you as we begin a uh, another season on this show. But I, I got to know right off the top, I- I'm asking everybody this on today's show. So I want to ask you, uh, as we get closer to the playoffs, uh, after Aaron Rodgers' appearance on McAfee this week, the Super Bowl logo theory has now gone full mainstream are you in or out on the super bowl logo theory you know if the 49ers and ravens make it then you know if the nfl if the nfl doesn't want people to know there's a script then they're just gonna have to take a year off (laughs) of uh of doing that you know maybe only use one of those teams they had in the script because i mean at some point i mean i wonder who figured that out I mean, it should be clear. It couldn't have been that hard to, like, look at and be like, wait a second. The funny part, too, is, but, uh, Tom, if I were to pick the Super Bowl right now, I would go with the Ravens and the Niners. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy, too, the one seeds, right? Yeah. I mean, then you look last year where the, the Eagles the one seed last year? Uh, yes. Okay. And the Chiefs were the one seed, right? Chiefs were the two seed. Oh, and then they lucked out to get AFC championship at home. Right. Right. Okay, so maybe not all one season. The year before, neither the Rams or the Bengals were the one seed. Right. So maybe it's not all just one seeds, but, I mean, those teams have obviously been kicking ass this year, so it's not out of the realm. I don't – Right. You know, I think – I don't know when they come up with the color scheme. Oh, isn't everybody going to be on their toes waiting for next year's Super Bowl logo now? Yeah, right. Like, when does that – I'm assuming that drops after the this Super Bowl. It should be pretty soon. And I don't know if there's going to be ever more anticipation of the Super Bowl logo than there will be for this next one. Right. I wonder if that's something you can bet on. What will be the two colors? I'm sure it is. Like, we'll we'll know if they take a year off next year if, if they put, uh, like, New York Jet gang green colors on it. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be something, yeah. If it was, you know, or Cleveland Brown. Right. Something like that. Where is it next year? Next year, it's in uh, New Orleans, I believe. Hmm. Yeah. You know, who knows? That would be a fun Super Bowl to go to around Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Superdome's a dump, but New Orleans is, is a fantastic dump. city. It is a dump. It's like a concrete jungle in there. Um, I would think, like, this year's Super Bowl is ideal time of great destination in Vegas and great stadium uh, there with Allegiant Stadium. Like, we usually don't get both. That is true. I mean... Oh, just the prices in Vegas, I already know. Like, you know, you it's one thing you pay at least four grand to go to the Super Bowl. Something like that. Right. And then just imagine the hotel prices in Vegas. Oh yeah. I mean that'll be it will be ridiculous. Oh yeah. Um that city still hasn't recovered from the F one race yet. You're right, and now you had to put that essentially right on top of it. Right. I mean, good for, I guess, if you're a waiter, waitress, bartender, yada, yada. I'm sure you're making hella money off those events. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dallas still hasn't gotten a Super Bowl since that one they had in 2010 when they had the infamous ice storm that shut the city down during Super Bowl week. Um so, oh, yeah. I don't know what Jerry Jones has got to pull some strings to to work with uh, with God on the weather to get the Super Bowl back. But, yeah, they haven't come back. I've been surprised. I don't know. How far is it scheduled out? Like a couple of years? Yeah, they just announced, like, the next five Super Bowls, and Dallas put in a bid and got denied. Wow. Yeah. Is, is Indianapolis one of them? No, no Indianapolis, but there are some cold weather clients. San Francisco's getting one again. Um, I think Miami's getting another. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's interesting for sure. Tom, uh, let's start with the uh, the college football playoff. I know we're going to dive into this a lot with Bo when he joins us, but uh, Washington and Michigan both – Advanced to the national championship game. Washington beats Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Michigan beats Alabama in the Rose Bowl. I got to tell you, I loved both of these games. Um, the way that Michigan played for four quarters, the way they dominated the line of scrimmage, uh, the better team clearly won there. And, and a lot of people are going to point to Jalen Milrow saying he didn't play well and I know that center is taking a lot of heat on social media. Oh, uh, Latham has um, for his bad snaps. He he had a bad game. He's in the portal now, <laughs> looking at potentially going to Iowa State or something here. Uh, yeah. What a what a wild game uh, that was, and 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 Harbaugh throughout all of this, everything they've gone through this year, being suspended six games and. All the allegations, everything, they find a way to get the job done. I I, I was impressed. Uh, despite everything they've went went through this year, uh, for Michigan to get that done, I, that, I, I was impressed. Yeah, and they hung on. I mean, I don't think a whole lot of people thought they'd beat Alabama. 
I didn't think they were going to. And, you know, really just two great games overall. I mean, the is this the best college football playoff semifinals we've had? I think it is. Uh, last year's was great. That's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. I might be prisoner of the moment. That Ohio State-Georgia game last year came down to the end, and the Michigan-TCU game was incredible last year. Um, but the national championship, obviously, was horrible. Um, but, yeah, these two semifinals were really, really good. Um, Michigan looked like they looked the part. And and I got to say, J.J. McCarthy, Tom, I, I thought that Bama had the QB advantage. I would have taken Milrow over McCarthy entering this game. But J.J. McCarthy did everything that was asked of him. He, he didn't look like a superstar by any means, but he, he didn't make mistakes and he made the necessary throws. Uh, I, I, I thought J.J. McCarthy really, really answered the call here uh, and, you know, did did what he needed to do. I, I was he, he had my attention. I, I, was, I liked what I saw from J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't really turn it, didn't turn it over, didn't make any crazy mistakes. Uh, and, you know, just at the end of the day, I played Milrow, who had a couple mistakes, and that kind of was what cost him the game. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And Harbaugh, w- w- wonder what's going to come of this in the next few days. Like, I-, I'm, I would think that he's going to the NFL, Tom, but if they win a national championship, it's going to be tempting, I would think, not to – want to run it back, you know, you beat Nick Saban, you win national title, you're all the modern. I mean, I know the NFL is the ultimate goal for a lot of coaches, but if you're Harbaugh here, if you get this done, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The NFL is pretty cut, cutthroat. Uh, if, if he runs off the NFL, I, I feel like he's kind of escaping all these uh, NCAA problems of some sorts here because he, he's got – I think he's got – better than going than people th- realize yeah i think so and if they lose i mean well i mean quorum's gone mccarthy will leave sure i mean they'll obviously got people in the wings waiting but even let's say they lose i mean i think you would kind of want to run it back to get the you know the monkey off your back of not having won one so it'd be interesting to see what he ends up doing you know one way or another right yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, Bama, Saban and company, they don't get the job done. I-, I looked at that Bama team, Tom, and and that team, it's kind of kind of weird to say about Alabama, but they did overachieve to a degree. They weren't supposed to beat uh, that Georgia team, the SEC title game. They did so. They, they rebounded nicely from that Texas loss they suffered early in the season to to win the SEC and everything here and ultimately got beat by a better team. Milrow, we mentioned, didn't play that great. I, I don't know if it gets any better for Bama anymore. Like their, their dominance, you know, you, you and I grew up with them just rolling teams and Nick Saban, you know, inserting his will and in, in that dynasty and everything there. Like, I, I, I think those days are over. I, I, I feel like that, what we saw out of Alabama was about as good as it can get right now with Saban at this point in his career and with, uh, with Bama not having what they need when it comes to NIL compared to some of these other SEC programs, like they, they, they may, may have missed their, their, their window, their, their, their window, knock out, 
you might want to check the tape later on this, but I'll, I'll say it right now, Tom. I, I feel like Bama's window just closed. Yeah, well, I mean, the window was open for a while, and this happens to a couple. You know, it's happened to a couple coaches. They're just, you know, Saban's obviously kind of old school, not necessarily with the times in terms of like NIL. And I mean, you see, you, you hear Mike Gundy talk about NIL all the time and the transfer portal. He hates it. Um, and I think Saban's kind of like, well, this is not the game I'm used to. I don't want to have to, you know, jack off these players who might leave in a year just for more money. You know, it's kind of a different, it's a different ball game. And, you know, you kind of got to ad- adapt a little bit. And I, I mean, I'm not saying Nick Saban can't adapt. I don't think he wants to. Right. He could. I believe yeah. he very well could, but I don't, I don't think he's kind of like, I'm, I'm, how old is he? He's probably like, well, I'm he's like 74. He's like 72 years old. Um, Doesn't have anything left to prove. No, I, I think he'd rather just be around the game, like, you know, maybe do the TV thing, but would would much rather just enjoy time at the lake eating his uh, oatmeal cream pies with Miss Terry. I mean, yeah, I think I think there's a good chance he might hang it up and – or, I mean, we'll talk about this later with Bo, too, but I think there's a chance that, you know, he, he's kind of going to do what Bob Stoops did and kind of have his, you know, successor in place. Or maybe he already has an idea, but I don't think within the program right now, I don't know who that – I don't know who it would be. No, I think they would have to bring someone out from yeah, outside. It's not, not Tommy Reese. Let me tell you that. No. <laughs> uh, no. Tommy Reese called a terrible game. Uh <laughs> In that championship, uh, uh, to say the least there. But we'll talk more about Bama coming up in a bit. Uh, Washington, the way they played, Michael Penix was, was awesome. The throws that he made. I know it's weird seeing a lefty throw the way that he does, but uh, I got to tell you what, folks, it, it it's great to see. that He doesn't have a cannon for an arm. He's not making you know, 75, 80-yard throws like Josh Allen or something here. But – he did a really good job of putting it only where his receiver could get it. That receiving core was fantastic. Dylan Johnson running the football there. Um, you know, that Washington team, Tom, you talk about battle-tested. They were written off by so many people because they'd played these close games all season long, even to bad teams like Arizona State, but yet found ways to win. I, I think there was something to be said about that Washington team where even when it got close, that they still finished the job against that Texas team because they did, they had been there before. And I, I think that they deserve some credit. Like it showed that their, their experience uh, of, of playing through these close games. Yeah. And the, you know, they, their offense is so good that even if they get down, they can, they can kind of make up for it where Texas isn't really built for that. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't say they ran them out and they about, you know, about, that injury running it, I think they could have managed the 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 last minute a little bit better or their last possession, and I think they could have figured out a different way to to run so or to get that clock down to fifteen. It shouldn't have ever been, or Texas had a play to throw in the end zone to win it, right? Um, but you know, credit credit where credit's due. I mean, Washington came out and and played well and. You know, I'm sure there was probably more Texas fans in that building than the Washington fans and being so close to, you know, to Austin compared to, you know, Seattle. But, um, you know, now they get the shot and, 
I've heard a lot of people, and I agree, say that the this college football championship game is is going to be pretty refreshing with two teams having not been there before. Yeah. So I'm excited. I think so. I think so. We'll uh, we'll talk about uh, Texas here in just a moment. But, I mean, looking at you know what Washington did to get this done, you talk about – I think that's an interesting point, Tom, of the, the new bloods because you look at Washington's side of things. Michael Penix didn't win the Heisman Trophy. Um, Kalen DeBoer has only been coaching the FBS level, you know, a few years. It wasn't too long ago he was in the NAIA. Um, and, you know, here they are. They, a lot of their games are late night on the West Coast. Uh, I know they're about to make this move to the Big Ten next year and everything, but I felt like Washington kind of fell under the radar of sorts that uh, we mentioned how much people had written them off throughout the year of sorts like, here they are. They're in the national championship, and and they belong. They they, they deserve to be there, and and no one knows a, a ton about who they are. Like they're they're the best thing that nobody knows about. Right, and then you know playing later games, you know being on the on the West Coast. I think that could have something to do with it. They're not. There's no. Now, like, let's say if uh, Deion Sanders coached Washington, we would know all about them. They're kind of quietly up there in the corner doing their thing. I mean, they've been, you're right. Yeah, they've been written off several times, been underdogs several times. Uh, people were like, this is the week they're going to lose. They always, they're going to slip up. Something's going to happen. They're going to, Morgan's going to beat them. Um, and, you know, they just kept trucking along. So, you know, they're, that's a hard team not to like. Yes. Yes. Uh, they, they just get shit done, you know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> exactly. Um, Texas is lost, Tom. Uh, I know a lot of people were going to point to, oh, here we go, Texas choking again, whatever. But a Texas team that gets all the way there, they win the Big 12. Their the only loss in the regular season was to Oklahoma. And Sark really did a good job of laying the foundation and the players that they have and, you know, the, the players they have coming in, Sark's not going anywhere either. I, I, I think that, that Texas, as much as it pains me to say, this, this, is, this isn't going away. Texas is back. This is a team that's going to be a contender, I think, for a long time and a force to be reckoned with. I know that they got stuff to figure out with this Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning thing, but uh, nothing to hang their heads on. I, I, I don't think that this is the last we're going to be talking about the Texas Longhorns here over the next few years. No, and they're going to reload. And, I mean, I'm sure SEC teams, other than, you know, I, I, I feel like Texas could slide in um, kind of toward Alabama is if if they keep it up. I mean, uh, you know, Sark has done a great job. I hate to say Texas is back. I hate to say it, but they, it feels like they are. Um, I mean, they, they were incredible this year. So, uh, and they only got better – you know, as time went on and had to deal with Quinn Ewers being out, Malik Murphy ended up coming in and did a great job. He's off to, uh, where is he? Did he go to Duke? He went to Duke. He's off to Duke yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, hats off to Texas. They, they were, uh, they were hard to beat. Yeah. Um, one question I'll have for you before we uh, we we move on here uh, and, and go to the NFL playoff side of things, Tom. 
when you look at Texas and what they accomplished this year, and then their rival Oklahoma, who beat them, might I add, but had a huge step in the right direction. Oklahoma did winning, you know, 10 plus games and getting to the Alamo bowl and, and what Brent Venables has done and, you know, Jackson Arnold now taking over and everything. Uh, we know Oklahoma has a better track record uh, over a extended period of time, but Texas has more recent success. Now that both of their seasons are over, who is more ready, you think, for this transition to the SEC? Uh, who, who's got, Who's the program you'd rather be right now? Would you rather be Sark in, in, in Texas or Venables in Oklahoma, Tom? Oh, I mean, you got to – I would much rather be Texas. Uh, I mean, not only because of the recent success. Uh, I mean, Texas has – I mean, OU's got the money too, but, um, you know, Quinn Ewers probably going to come back. We saw what Arizona did to OU in the, in the Alamo Bowl. That didn't pan out too well. Not saying that that's indicative of how they'll end up playing in in the SEC. Oh, I, I think I liked what I saw from Jackson Arnold. I think he's going to be really good. I mean, the first year though, I think they're. I mean, they're going to struggle a little bit. I think. I mean, they still make a bowl and you know probably still get eight wins, but um, eight nine wins, but maybe you know you never can count them out. But um, I mean, yeah, year year one at the helm, I think you know. I'd be shocked if they like made the college football playoff next year, even with twelve teams. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I, I think both Oklahoma and Texas. There's a world where they can both make the playoff next year. Um, I mean, you got to. I mean, there'll be Georgia. I mean, there'll be Ole obviously Miss more is teams. Be really good. Um, LSU is going to be interesting. Bama. I mean, it's going to be ultra competitive. Mizzou's not going anywhere either. Um, right. So, yeah, the SEC is going to be a madhouse next year. We'll see how it ultimately all plays out. More college football talk coming up later when uh, Coach Bo stops by and joins us. Uh, don't miss out on that. Uh, let's uh, transition, shift gears now to the uh, NFL and a look at the uh, games ahead this weekend and the the playoff uh, situation where things stack up going into the weekend. Tom, uh, we'll kind of go rapid fire through these games here. Steelers-Ravens this weekend. Ravens, no Tyler Huntley, uh, or no no Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley getting the start. Several key players for the Ravens not going to play. Steelers need the win to stay in contention for the playoff. Mason Rudolph's played a lot better football the last couple of weeks uh, since taking over for, for Kenny Pickett here. Um, really good timing here for uh, Pittsburgh, Tom, with, with uh, Mason and that offense finally putting it together and getting lucky to face the Ravens JV team here. This this couldn't have played out better for Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is kind of a, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call it a gimme game because I think still the Ravens and Steelers hate each other. And I think the Ravens are going to do what they can, even with Tyler Huntley and, and the really the backups to still try and play this game out and, and knock Steelers out. You know, I mean, it's the same way we'll talk about, it, I'm sure, with the Rams and the 49ers. I mean, that game doesn't mean as much, you know, for the Rams in that case that it does like the Steelers in this position. But yeah, um, that, that Rams not that uh, Rams 49ers game doesn't mean much for either team. Right. I mean, it's pretty much just come. You want to come out of there unscathed. Right. Right. That might as well be a preseason game for either one of those teams. And um, for the Steelers, though, you got to put it all on the line. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put your your sack up, you know. Yeah, I think Mason Mason's gonna get it done this weekend. Yeah, yeah, he'll come out swinging his helmet. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Texans and Colts. Uh, Tom, I like what I've seen from Gardner Minshew this year. I know they're at home, uh, but I like what I've seen from C.J. Stroud more. And uh, this one, I got to tell you, this would be quite – this is going to be quite the story here. Somebody, Tom, is going to secure a playoff spot, and one of these two teams is going to be a 10-win football team this season. Who saw that coming, that the Texans and Colts, both of them, would have the year that they have? They actually stay in contention to potentially win the division, depending on how the Jags game goes. But uh, I think this is the biggest surprise of the season. I thought the Colts had the worst roster in the league, but – now the Texans and the Colts each have a chance to make the playoffs with this game. I lean towards Houston, but I could see it going either way. Yeah, I lean towards Houston, too, just because C.J. Stroud, like you said. But, uh, you know, I saw what the Colts did last year. They had the chance to beat, I believe it was the Jags, and the Jags were horrible. And the Colts came out and laid an egg and booked their Cancun trip early. So I, maybe a little bit different Colts team, but I think, we're going to see some of the same. I got, I'll take the Texans. Uh, Browns and Bengals and, uh, the Bengals, of course, out the Browns, uh, resting key players like Joe Flacco real quick on this Tom, Uh, Browns could move up to 12 and five this year with all they've endured with losing to Sean Watson and Nick Chubb and the way Flacco's playing that defense has emerged. Uh, Stefanski, I, th- I think, has had the most impressive coaching job of any coach this year. I mean, yeah, to get him to 12-5, and five, it's almost funny when you hear it because I don't feel like a lot of people have been following the Browns. And so, I mean, outside Sean Watson, when he was out for the year, one just kind of, re- re- you know, wrote him off. And, and then here comes elite Joe Flacco to save the day. And then when you hear, like, the you know, when I first looked at it, I was like, wait a second, the Browns are 12-5? and five? Like, what? Like, really? The Browns have a better record than the Chiefs. Yes. Incredible. Yeah, it's unreal. Uh, And up until last week, they still had a shot to get home field in the AFC. Uh, Absolutely insane uh, as far as that goes. Bucks and Panthers, uh, the fighting Baker Mayfields. Last week, a little bit of disappointment. He'd been playing some really good football before that. Take on this bad Carolina team on the road here. Um, Tom, that's going to be something here. Baker has a chance to have a better record than what Tom Brady had in Tampa Bay last year. And his numbers have been much better than what Tom Brady did last year. Who would have thought the Bucks upgraded at quarterback with, uh, with Baker Mayfield? And I, I think he's going to play himself into a long-term contract here. I mean, yeah, the way he's played this year, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to have a draft pick to be able to go and get somebody. Um, I mean, you could still draft a quarterback, sure. I think they will, um, you know. But all things considered, I mean, Baker Mayfield's earned the job. I think so. Lions uh, face the Vikings. Vikings are the very outside chance of making the postseason. Lions are still fighting for that two seed. Um, Tom, I I don't waver on the Lions losing to Dallas last week. That that's still a very good football team. Jared Goff and company, they're they're playing really well here. Now uh you come playoff time. That 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 Lions team, I, I could see them getting ousted in the wild card round. I could see them going to the Super Bowl. I think they're kind of the biggest unknown from the NFC right now. Yeah, you never know what you're really gonna get. 
Um, their defense has been pretty good at some times, and then other times it's been pretty lackluster. So I think they get the job done this week against the Vikings um, and kind of set in motion maybe a, a, a good deep playoff run. But, you know, last week, like you said, you know, those refs in that game, I'm pretty sure got banned. Like they're not going to be able to do a playoff game. Yeah. Um, they so, do I mean, have another they... national TV game this week. They get the uh, Raven Steelers game, Brad Allen and company. I mean, yeah, they completely butchered last week. Um, so we'll see. We'll see who they root for this, this week in that game. But uh, yeah, the Vikings, I think, man, if you're a Vikings fan and sure you have an outside shot, if I was a Vikings fan with all the shit that went down, in Minnesota this year, I'd be like, let's let's put this shit to bed. I'm if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm ready for the offseason. You might need to find a new team if you're a Vikings fan with all the bad luck uh that they endure. I mean, yeah, there's a there's a there's a curse, a skull curse. Um Tom, the uh, Saints Falcons game, both these teams have been a roller coaster year. Um Saints I, I would favor in this game. I think they win, but with as much of a mess that they've gone through. You win nine games. That coaching staff actually might come back and Derek Carr might come back. <laughs> who, who would have thought with uh, as much of a uh, up and down year it's been uh, there that they, the saints, they got the whole Derek Carr experience this year. Yeah, they did. And, and, you know, or we'll talk to Bo too here shortly, but I'm sure Bo can't believe it. He's kind of what he said. He wrote off the Saints. He was no longer a fan as long as Derek Carr was the quarterback. So I wonder if they end up, if they will their way in somehow to this playoff. That uh, I wonder if he'll go go for the Saints now. Oh, I I doubt that's the case, but we'll see. Uh, Jags and Titans. Uh, there was a lot of hype about the Jags this year, and Trevor Lawrence and company, and and you know here they are at nine and seven. Still haven't locked up a division that everybody thought they were going to win running away with. Tom, uh, I think the big story for them is Trevor Lawrence has just not been fully healthy. And and I think that's a knock on Doug Peterson, their head coach, their medical staff. They should have sat Trevor Lawrence a while ago and let him get fully healthy to get back to 100%. Because it's kind of like that Joe Burrow thing with the Bengals all over again. Uh, you know, they're just only setting him up to to fail and, and suffer even worse injury here if they don't get this right. Yeah, they need to they need to do something and you know they're they were sitting there like nine and three for a while, weren't they? Something like that, yeah. Nine and four, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, they kind of falling apart. And part of it, you know, Trevor Lawrence kind of gets injured and um you know, the Jags are trying to find out their identity, I think, still. I think they're still, like, maybe one or two years away from really being um, a, a, a big threat, um, depending on how, you know, Trevor Lawrence ends up. But like you mentioned with the Joe Burrow thing, you don't want to just, you know, play him before he's ready. Like, those injuries have to fully heal. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks and Cardinals. Seahawks have to win this one, and then they need the Bears to beat the Packers to get in the playoffs. Seahawks have been up and down uh, throughout the year, had a you know a couple nice weeks there where they beat Philly and beat Tennessee, and then a letdown last week at home against Pittsburgh here. And an Arizona team that's looked like a lot different team with Kyler Murray, Tom. And in the second half of the season, 
Cardinals have a better record than the Seattle Seahawks do. I think Seattle wins, but it's certainly not a given here. Arizona is going to give Seattle all they can handle, and and uh, we know about Seattle's history at State Farm Stadium. Uh, some some bad juju there. Yeah, uh, and maybe a lot of runs this week. Then, um, you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I mean. Seattle kind of all over the place this year. Started off pretty damn good and then just up and down, up and down. It's been a roller coaster season, I feel like, for Seahawks. I mean, you know better than I. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it is uh it's been something for sure. Um you're on Uncle Pete's of, wild ride. Speaking of that uh, Bears Packers game, Tom, um the uh the Bears have not beat the Packers since twenty eighteen. And they're in an interesting position because even though the Bears are out of playoff contention, Tom, Matt Eberflus is potentially coaching for his job. Justin Fields has a bit of an audition here of sorts, uh, whether it's for the Bears or other teams to still be a starter somewhere next year. They still have a ton to play for, even though they're out of the playoffs. The Packers, meanwhile, trying to you know lock up a playoff spot and everything here. Bears haven't beat the Packers since 2018. If there was ever a time uh, for the Bears to get it done against Green Bay to to spoil the Packers season, it'd be this right here. And, and and we saw what happened to the Packers last year. Same exact situation, win and you're in, and they, they lost at home to Detroit. Yeah, and I think it could happen again. I mean, Jordan Love, I think this, overall this season, I don't think he's played bad, you know, his, his first real season, you could say, and – um, you know, I think he'll continue to, to kind of grow and but this is this is a Packers team. I mean, I feel like a Packers fans probably feel like Spurs fans, like we're not used to we're not used to not being there. Um and so humbling moment for them. I think the Bears have a chance and you know, they don't it's not like they have to deal with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, you can you know you can't get in the playoffs. You're not haven't really done anything. You haven't been really impressed all season with Fields or just the Bears in general. But uh, man, sometimes it's really fun to play the spoiler. Oh, definitely, definitely. So uh, that that'll be a fun game, I think. And we'll see if the uh, Bears can get it done. Chiefs and Chargers. Uh, Mahomes is sitting out. Uh, they're not going to be the one seed, so they're kind of taking the week off. Chargers. It's been an awful year for them. They're at five and eleven. Uh, Eagles take on the Giants, uh, and I believe it's going to be Teron Taylor getting the start for the uh, the New York Giants there at home. Eagles still trying to uh, win the division and get that number two seed in the NFC. Um, you know, they would like to avoid the wild card falling all the way down to the five seed here. The Eagles not playing very good football lately, Tom. The Giants. Nothing to lose here. We mentioned the spoiler role and everything. Um, I know that they still have a chance to get that number two pick potentially here, but the guys on that roster, they're playing for their jobs. They, they don't care about trying to get the number two pick and everything. I, I expect the Giants to be a tough out for Philly here, potentially here on the road. Yeah, and you know, Philly has been playing like dog shit. And it seems like there's some controversy I wouldn't call it, I don't know if you want to call it controversy, but there's been just, you know, rumors or some some not so good feelings in that locker room. Oh so, yeah. 
It'll be interesting to see how they finish the, you know, the regular season. And, you know, if they, if the Giants were to win, you know, what are the chances the Eagles could be, you know, on a down streak, cold streak, and get knocked out of the first round of the playoffs? Well, and I think Sirianni's kind of gotten exposed as an asshole of sorts, you know. Right. Weeks, and uh, I think it's a big part of their downfall. We mentioned the Rams-Niners game, both teams. Um playing their backups, they're locked in where they're at, you know, in the playoff picture of sorts. But, uh, you know, if we were seeing the starters in that game, Tom, that, that could potentially be an, an NFC championship preview of sorts. Like the, the Rams are red hot. The Niners have been the best team in the NFC this year. Um, I, I, I think there are about, you know, probably about four teams, four or five teams, that could win the NFC right now. The Niners, the Eagles, the Lions, the Cowboys, and I think the Rams are one of those teams. And for the Rams, take the week off here, and then you gear up for the wild card round. Like, I, I don't think anybody wants to face the L.A. Rams right now. No, and, you know, hell, it might be it might be the 49ers playing the Rams this week, and then the next opponent again for the 49ers might be the Rams in the divisional round. There's a good chance for that. Obviously, it looks like that the Rams would have to go into Detroit uh, and and take care of their old their old quarterback and you know finally settle that trade for good. But oh, yeah. uh, that would be, I mean, that will be the prime time wild card game in my eyes. If if it's Rams Detroit, there'll be so many good storylines there. Oh yeah, um, so I'm excited for that. Um. Cowboys taking on the Commanders. Uh, Cowboys on the road, a win, and they lock up the division and get that home playoff game. Tom, the Cowboys have had the best home field advantage in the entire NFL this year. They have not lost a home game in a very, very long time. And I think it's it's crucial for this Cowboys team to win this game because they, they can't win games on the road. But they dominate at home. They 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 need this one badly here against the against the commies. Yeah, I think they're going to get it too. Um, you know, for for Washington, I think I think Washington's somewhat headed in the right direction. I like Sam Howell a lot. I just don't see the Commanders playing spoiler to Dallas. Not yeah. this year. Not not at this time. Howell hasn't looked good lately. They benched him for Jacoby Bursett. Um, that's true. That's true. I, I mean, it's, I think they're going to clean that, that whole quarterback room. Yeah, that whole franchise is a mess. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, outside of Eric B. Enemy, everything's been a uh, disaster there. Bills, Dolphins uh, on Sunday night. Winner wins the division and uh, gets the number two seed in the AFC. Tom, you and I have been uh, making fun of the Bills all year long, calling out for who they are, but we've never been high on the Dolphins either. And the Dolphins cannot beat good teams. That's been the ongoing theme throughout the season. This one's on the road. Uh, something's got to give here. we got to find out who the less fraudulent team is of sorts. I lean towards Buffalo with the hot hand of the better football they've played as of late. Yeah, Buffalo's, you know, they're – you know, better late than never type situation for them. They've been playing hot. They got hot at the right time. Kind of like a, a team right before March Madness. That's kind of, you know, one of those teams that you're like, oh, shit, they're getting hot. 
right? Like nobody wants to play the Bills right now. No, no, not at all. So there you have it. That's uh, our look around the NFL. More to come when uh, we are joined uh, by Omar Ruiz, the NFL Network. Also when uh, Bo stops by coming up later. So uh, plenty more to come uh, on the uh, Jones Report. So stay tuned for that. The Big 12 Breakdown, Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference. And, uh, Tom, a couple of uh, Big 12 football notes uh, that we'll kind of run through real quick, and then we'll get to the basketball end of things here. Uh, but we'll begin with uh, our hot takes uh, as we do. Tom, uh, what direction you want to go? You want to go football or basketball? What, what are you leaning towards here? You know, that's a that's a tough one. Um, let me take a quick look. I mean, obviously, football's pretty much over. Uh, I mean, you could say, I mean, I don't know if, if I have really any hot takes at all this week. Uh, let me, let's just take a look here. I'll, I'll let hot you circle. Take. I'll let you circle back on that. Um, all right. Yeah. Let me circle back. My, my, my hot take, Tom, uh, the news came out on Thursday that Ted Roof and Oklahoma had mutually parted ways, their defensive coordinator. Um, my hot take, Tom, if I am Brent Venables in the Oklahoma Sooners, the guy that I would go after to be the next defensive coordinator is Mel Tucker, former Michigan State head coach. I would tell him, like, hey, no more FaceTiming. You know, we're, we're not, you know – Having uh, we're not doing sex phone calls, you know, with with uh, with this uh-huh. and everything here. But Mel, you know football. You're a hell of a football coach. You're a great defensive guy, great recruiter. Come on to Norman, get Storman and Norman. Go hire Mel Tucker to be your next DC. That that's my hot take. I know some people aren't going to like that idea, uh, but Tom, like Mel Tucker, knows football, and and honestly, I don't even think he did anything wrong in that that whole ordeal. Uh, it was consensual and everything here. I, I think that Mel Tucker is going to be a head coach sooner rather than later here. No pun intended. Uh, I, I think he'd be a great fit in Norman. <laughs> I, you know, I could see that. I, I think that's, I think that's something. I'll give you a hot take here. I think TU or TCU comes into the fog this Saturday and upsets KU. Ooh, TCU has played Kansas really well compared to most teams in the Big Twelve. For whatever reason, I think everybody thinks back to their very first year in the league when they had a horrible season that TCU team did, and they still beat Kansas at home. And Bill Self went on the infamous rant where he said that was the worst Kansas team to take the floor since we lost to the the Topeka YMCA. Um, uh-huh. so, yeah, <laughs> could be interesting. I doubt that happens, but. We'll we'll see what uh, what TCU can uh, put together there. Should be a fun game there uh, on that front. Uh, so a couple of notes uh, to get to on the Big Twelve football side of things. Uh, let's start with Will Howard. We told you a couple weeks ago that he was leaving K State. Um, that uh, they're going with uh, their new quarterback Avery Johnson, who played very solid in the Pop Tart Bowl. And, uh, you know, ate the edible Pop-Tart and everything. It was great. I think K-State's going to be fine. I think, in fact, they probably upgraded quarterback going to Avery Johnson here. Not the end of the world that Will Howard's leaving. But Will Howard ends up going to Ohio State. Um, that one caught me 
totally out of left field, Tom. Like, I mean, that's a that's a big jump for him. That's a team that has a lot of high hopes and expectations, a lot of pressure on Ohio State uh, with Ryan Day right now, coming off a disappointing loss to Mizzou and losing to Michigan, and they haven't beat Michigan the last few years, haven't won the Big Ten and everything here. I mean, I, I like Will Howard. I don't know if I like him good enough for Ohio State. I don't know if he's going to be the upgrade that Ohio State's looking for from Kyle McCord. He'll be an upgrade, but – uh, I, I don't know if Ohio State's ready to be running QB power every other play. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that was a weird thing for me, and I was thinking that this, you know, does Ohio State not have somebody else in the wing? I thought when I saw that, I was like, surely they're not going to come out here and start Will Howard. Oh no, they are. Their their quarterback play looked terrible in that bowl game. Will Howard's the guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's and, and you gotta you gotta wonder too. Like, can he stay healthy? That is, yeah, he's never That's the biggest his entire hit. career. I mean, when he's good, he's pretty good, but also when he's bad, he's he's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Um. So I don't, you know, I figured that they might. I figured Ohio State would get someone a little bit better. We mentioned it earlier. I think Harbaugh's leaving Michigan. Uh, Ohio State loses a lot. Well, Howard's now going to be their QB. Another. Another quarterback that's leaving the Big 12 to go to that league, I, I think is going to be the team to watch. I, I think that Oregon Ducks team might just walk in their first year and win the Big Ten, Tom. They very well might. I mean, Dylan Gabriel comes in. Um, I think he was, Gabriel was rated the 18th best player by ESPN in the top. I'd take Gabriel over every day. Oh, all, yeah. And yeah, every day. I mean, that's not a shot at Will Howard either, because I kind of like I like the toughness. Will Will Howard kind of puts it all on the line. He's kind of a likable guy, I think. I think so. But he's he's kind of like a. I mean, if as an OSU fan, would I take Will Howard over Bowman? Yeah, but you know, for Ohio State though, right? Well, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. I I kind of will have to root for him because I like Will Howard. Um, speaking of Oklahoma State and uh, Alan Bowman, granted an extra year of eligibility, his seventh year of college football. Tom, it was clear that Alan Bowman was the best quarterback on that Oklahoma State roster, and it was kind of silly they had the quarterback competition and everything when he was their best option. But it's not like he's that great either. If if Gundy has a better option if there's somebody in the portal or somebody that's interested in going to Oklahoma State if I'm Mike Gundy I'm not closing the door on bringing in another quarterback to potentially compete with Alan Bowman uh because that Oklahoma State team with Ollie Gordon and all the talent that's there they got a golden opportunity next year in the Big 12 and this expanded playoff and everything here if I can do better than Alan Bowman then then I'll, I'm if I'm Mike Gundy I'm weighing my options yeah, I think I think you're right too. I would be, I would be. You know, you don't want to waste this Ollie Gordon opportunity. You got the whole offensive lines coming back. You're going to have Stribling, who was the Washington State kid who looked really good before he got injured. Brendan Presley's back. Pretty much the whole defense, outside of a few, namely Xavier Benson, declared, are going to be headed. To, you know, they they got pretty much everybody back. Right. So right. this is, you know, and they gotta they gotta go for it, um, and and see, 
you know, the, the offensive line. I'm sure there'll be some cats in the wings, but you'll have a pretty much an all senior grad transfer offensive line. Um, you got an all American running back, maybe the probably the best in the nation. And we'll see. I think Alan Bowman can get better. He's this is, you know, that was his first year. Um, and and I think they're probably more gelled as a team now. I'll be interested to see how they come out of the gate. They got Arkansas and Stillwater game two this year. Um, so no slouch there. So, I mean, I think they're going to have to come out and be ready to play. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then one more Big 12 football note. Uh, K-State, we mentioned a while back, Colin Klein leaving as their OC to go to Texas A&M. And they have hired his replacement, Matt Wells, the former Texas Tech head coach, is going to be OC, co-OC, along with uh, Connor Riley, who was already there on that staff. But uh, Matt Wells, Tom, his tenure at Texas Tech wasn't very good. They really struggled. But he goes over to Oklahoma this past year. He was an analyst uh, under Brent Venables and working with Jeff Levy and all that. And that Oklahoma offense was really good. Um and everything. Matt Wells, a good offensive mind, knows how to recruit, been been in this league. I like this hire for K-State. I know it 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 hurt them a lot, especially like morale to lose Colin Klein, who is probably the face of Kansas foot Kansas State football for the last 15 years. But for as good of a situation to make out of it, I I think Matt Wells was pretty good. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean he's He's one of those type coaches that he's he's more suited for an offensive coordinator role than um you know than a head coach. And so I, I think he's gonna thrive there. And you know, with Avery Johnson, you know, you got a gym there. It's not like you're gonna be it's not like you have a shitty quarterback to start with. So I think uh I think they'll be fine. I think so. I think so. Um we'll uh, shift gears to uh Big Twelve basketball now as uh, we enter the first week of conference play. And uh, checking in on the rankings, just going into this first week of Big 12 play, KU's it to Houston at three uh, in the AP Top 25, Oklahoma 11, BYU 12, uh, Baylor 18, Texas 20 in uh, the AP Top 25 heading into this weekend. And so then... You get to the Big 12 slate of games, and and now about to really separate things here, Tom. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at we're we're about to find out the contenders from the pretenders, and, and the biggest thing that I want to know that I, I think we're going to figure out pretty quick. Houston, I know that Kelvin's a great coach, and that you know they have a lot of talent on that team, and. You know they're they're still undefeated, thirteen and zero at this point. I hold that number three ranking, but they haven't played anybody. Their best win is against a, a, a decent Texas A and M team. Uh, you know, an average Xavier team. They played a weak non conference schedule. Now we're about to find out what what Houston's all about here. To me, that that's what's got me the most intrigued as we begin conference play. See how how ready how Big Twelve ready Houston actually is. All right, see if they're the real deal or not, or if they're. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty interested to see that too, and uh, I'm. I as as much as I hate to say it, I'm interested to see what what OU's going to do. 
Yeah. Um, you got the, they had that loss against North Carolina, but other than that, they, they played really solid through non-conference play. Um, and uh, Oklahoma's going to play Iowa State this week. So uh, Iowa State 11 and 2. That should be a decent matchup coming up on Saturday. Um, another one for you, Tom. BYU. We mentioned BYU with their high ranking. They were picked to finish towards the bottom of the league this year. There wasn't any expectations at all. Then had their coming out party of sorts when they de- defeated the uh, reigning runners-up from last year, San Diego State. And this weekend, playing Cincinnati, a home game, uh, first Big 12 conference game for both those schools ever. Uh, BYU, uh, you're at 12 wins now. You, you win, what, six or seven games of conference play, and all of a sudden BYU's a tournament team. I mean, who who saw that coming? Yeah, definitely I did not, um, you know, but – BYU's always kind of been sneaky good at finding ways to to get themselves in the combo, um, especially basketball too. So I, you know, I'm surprised, but I think I'm still more shocked at OU success. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and I just looked at the Big Twelve slate of games this week: uh, Baylor taking out Oklahoma State in Stillwater, TCU taking out Kansas in Lawrence, and. Um, Tom gave his upset special earlier, uh, taking TCU to win that one. West Virginia against uh, Houston. Uh, that game in uh, in Houston, West Virginia, only with five wins, no Huggins. Uh, I, I think they're going to be the worst team in, in the conference. Them or UCF, one of the two. Iowa State taking on Oklahoma, that game in Norman. UCF in K-State in Manhattan. Uh, Texas Tech in Texas in Austin. Good rivalry game there and. Texas at that 20 ranking, Grant McCaslin, his first year, Texas Tech, um, and then the Cincinnati-BYU game. Tom, the the, the two games that, that, that had my eye uh, specifically this weekend, <clears throat> Texas Tech-Texas, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. And then that TCU-Kansas game, uh, for obvious reasons, you know, with uh, you know, seeing Hunter Dickinson and everybody in, in that team. Uh I, I would love, I would love to see if Tech could find a way to go into Austin and, and get that done, and for Grant McCaslin to win his first ever Big Twelve Conference game. Yeah, that is that'll be a great one to watch. I mean, similar records, Tech. You know, is not, and obviously they've dropped off a little bit from what they were, but obviously my eyes on TCU and Lawrence, and the other one I really want to watch too and see, um, kind of how it goes is. Uh, I mean, I think his ass is on the line too. Mike Boyden Baylor comes into to Oklahoma State and Stillwater. Um, Oklahoma State played the other night. Who they play the other night? And there was not. I'm okay. So they played. They played. They played Wednesday Chicago night. State. Yeah. Right. So okay. I mean, the the students aren't back. I guess yet, but. I mean, there was just dead, bare, empty. So I'm looking. I want to. I'm hoping that there's going to be some more people in Stillwater for this game. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to get up for, you know, Oklahoma State basketball when Mike Boyden said every chance. So, I, I think this this little gauntlet they they play Baylor at home at Tech at Iowa State, then you got KU at home at K State, TC at home West Virginia at. KU. I mean, I don't know. 
Like, if I'm going to be honest with you here, let's look at it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In January, I think if you can go 500 in January, if you're Mike Boyden, then you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a gauntlet, damn it. I mean, it's, it's the, the easiest game on their schedule is going to be West Virginia at home. Um, I mean, one, one thing I'll say, Tom, as far as Oklahoma State goes, I, I think a, a good measuring stick for them. Kind of, and and I hate to call out college kids and and somebody that uh you know I followed for a long time. It's not personal; it's just business here. But I look at Bryce Thompson, for example, former five star kid. You know, started his career with with uh, with Kansas. Ultimately, you know, it, it was trying to compete for playing time. Just not enough baskets go around for everybody, right? Ends up back at Oklahoma State, playing close to home, and. This was a huge deal when they got Bryce, you know, five-star, McDonald's All-American. This is going to be the guy to bring us back. Here we are. Bryce is in his senior season now. There was thoughts at one point he could be like a two-and-done potential type player, and he's averaging 13 points a game right now. Uh, doesn't look like he has much of an NBA future. I mean, what, what happened here? You know, I mean, like – uh-huh. Bryce, I think I don't think Bryce was overrated either. I just don't think that he's been uh, developed properly. Like, and I, I think that fa- falls on Mike. I, I don't think there's any reason why a Bryce Thompson at his full potential shouldn't be able to lead this Oklahoma State team with 20 points a night and be a tournament caliber team. Like, he's that good of a player. He's just not developed. Yeah, that, and you know, it's. It's kind of an excuse after excuse for Oklahoma State basketball. It's just like, yeah, well, the NCAA was mean to us. And it's like they've – all right, you've milked that a little too much. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Mike Boyden and, and just as a person. and But as a coach, I mean, it's like enough is enough. Like it's put up or shut up time. Like this this situation Mike Boyden's in right now feels very Neil Brownie. Uh he's going to have to pull it out of his ass like Neil Brown did at West Virginia football this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He's he's even past Bruce Weber territory. Oh, yikes. You never go past Bruce Weber territory. Um, right. Omar Ruiz set to join us next. Uh, Coach Bo coming up in just a little while. And then uh, we'll also have uh, Tom Fuller in the show. More to come. Stay with us. Join us now on the program this week. Pleased to welcome in from the NFL Network. It is Omar Ruiz, who is back on the Jones Sport once again. Omar, always a pleasure. Anytime we get the chance to chat, my friend. Week 18, playoffs around the corner. Pretty exciting times. So, oh, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Always great to visit with you, especially when playoff spots are on the line. And, you know, what do we have? Six teams or six games this weekend that have clinch scenarios right. and, and eight teams. I think control uh, their playoff fortunes here with games this weekend. And, and it's what the NFL wants, right? They want it to come down to the wire. They want the parody. They want the uncertainty. They want the fan bases to be you know, glued to their seats all the way through the regular season. And for those teams that are already fortunate to be gearing up for the playoff run and maybe resting some players, you know, good for them. They've earned it. And this is the time of year to celebrate that. So yeah, great, great time of year. Uh, and of course, you know, the coaching carousel looms. You know, here after after uh, these games on Sunday, so a lot to talk about, Tyler, and happy to visit with you. Happy New Year! 
Yes, Happy New Year indeed. Uh, before we get to the business of the day and the uh, the, the, the stuff uh, going on around the NFL, uh, I, I got to ask you the question that everybody really wants to know, Omar, since you may have an inside working for the NFL Network and the league and everything. Uh, what's your take? Do you have any uh, insides on this uh, this whole theory about the Super Bowl logo uh controversy and and what Aaron Rodgers brought up this week on uh on McAfee and anything is there anything true that that you can tell us about any connections does the Ravens or uh, Niners have an inside track <laughs> the Super Bowl with the uh, logo here yeah you know I've seen that online Tyler but I forgot to to look it up uh what what is this logo um conspiracy so, so the logo conspiracy is that the colors in the logo are associated with teams that are going to the Super Bowl. Last year, <laughs> they had the Eagles and the Chiefs, and the logo was green and red. Oh, so, I got gotcha. you. Your prior, you had the Rams and the Bengals, and the logo and was, it was blue and orange. Yeah, or orange and uh, in in yellow. And okay. so now we have this year, the logo is purple and red. So everybody assumes it's going to be the Niners and the uh, Ravens now. Hey, those script writers, hey, the NFL does a fantastic job assigning people their scripts all the way down to the logo creators. <laughs> How detailed and thorough is that? Well, <laughs> and the fact that it was Rogers that brought it up this week, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't I'm sure he was thrilled when he got the logo to begin his season with the Jets this year. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's uh Oh man, it's uh, I've heard it all now. I'm sure you have too at this point. But um, yeah, you know, I I have no particular insight. But that is funny. That it makes me laugh um, on that. And and uh, I, yeah, because that's what I saw. I saw the last several years and people pointing the the team colors to the the logo. And I guess I assumed that was that, but I didn't know how involved or or how um, widespread it had become. But I guess you know it. It kind of fits the mold with the uh, NFL embracing that scriptwriter joke. You know, remember the the beginning of the year we had all the players sitting around the table and and you know floating those ideas that they had for the season and and certainly you know logo color and uh, you know Super Bowl um, uh, memories uh, certainly <laughs> apply to that mold as well. Yeah, uh, now there's much anticipation for next year's Super Bowl logo all of a sudden. Uh, so we can find out who's playing in the Super Bowl already. Uh, Omar, let's uh, let's start with the the AFC side of things. With that team that uh, the script is apparently written for, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, already locking up that number one seed. Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to be the MVP, best record in the league. Is that the team to beat right now, you think? What do you make of what the Baltimore Ravens, what Lamar Jackson have done this year? Yeah, no question. I, I think um, what has impressed me most about the Ravens is not just their talent, not just their experience, um, not just their coaching. Um, the fact that they could win a variety of styles of football games. We've seen them blow out teams like Detroit Lions, Seattle Seahawks, um, you know, teams that were considered contenders. They beat down the Niners pretty good last week, and I think Heading into that game, most of us were convinced that if healthy, San Francisco was clearly the best team in the NFL. Um, but the Ravens changed that narrative. And I think, you know, having covered them a few weeks ago, um, I remember them squeaking out a game against Arizona. And they were in control the whole game, but Arizona, give credit to them, hung tough and kind of made it competitive, a one-score game uh, in the fourth quarter. And I remember talking to John Harbaugh and, Lamar Jackson after that game, the fact that they can, you know, 
blow out a team like Detroit, but then they can fight off a team like the Cardinals. We don't see that a lot. We don't see teams that are as talented as Ravens are have that that will about them to win regardless of the circumstance. And so I think that's what makes them the most dangerous. And also talking to Marlon Humphrey uh, during that or after that game. And, and um, he's been on several high profile Ravens defenses before, you know, teams that have finished with number one ranking in defense this year. And so I asked him what's different about this year's version. And he said, he said, they don't have any holes. There are no weaknesses. They feel on that defense that they have to game plan for that. They have to scheme around. And he said, that's what makes them particularly dangerous. And so when you have a great defense, you have a playmaker on offense, like, Lamar Jackson and and Todd Munkin really I give credit to him as the offensive coordinator um, for really adjusting uh, that offense after Mark Andrews goes down. I think everybody thought, oh man, you know he is you know the security blanket for Lamar Jackson as long as he's been in the league, and you know the, the offense seems like uh, when it's at its best here the last several years, it's when it's going through Mark Andrews, and so the fact that he gets hurt. But everybody else steps up. Zay Flowers has been tremendous. Odell Beckham Jr. looks like he's back. Rashad Bateman. Likely, you know, yeah. Yeah, the list goes on and on. And so you talk about all that talent they have on the team, the playmaker, the difference maker that Lamar is, the experience they have on defense. You know, guys like Kyle Van Oy and Jadeveon Clowney, you know, contributing, not to mention all the young studs that they have. Um, it really is a special unit. John Harbaugh has that team believing, and uh, they showed how good they can be in San Francisco on Christmas night. Yeah, and getting Dalvin Cook uh, added, that news coming out today after the Keaton Mitchell injury a couple weeks ago. If you thought this team was dangerous now, about to have two weeks off for most of their starters, Dalvin Cook in the mix here, and the way they've played the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't want to be facing that, that Baltimore Ravens team. They're, they're hot at the right time. And, and then, you know, you talk about the chemistry. We saw, you know, they were thrilled to see how Melvin Gordon, you know, played it, speaking of, you know, veteran running backs, you know, he's kind of been hiding there at the end of the roster uh, here this year, but for him to get some playing time and see the way the guys kind of celebrated around him and and that opportunity just kind of speaks volumes about what a locker room they have and, you know, the togetherness um, that they have that, you know, at this time of year just goes a long way um, in determining fortunes uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Uh, The, uh, the, Cleveland Browns, Joe Flacco's former team, of course, with with uh, with Baltimore. Now we see what he's done with Cleveland. What a story that's been, and the eleven games they've won, and him getting sit out this year. What a, what a story we've seen uh, this year from Joe Flacco and that Browns team. What do you make of what that team's done the last few weeks? And are they a, a true threat, true contender here? You think it's the story of the year? I mean, I think Kevin Stefanski slam dunk the coach of the year. And for Joe Flacco to come off the couch and just not just play well, not just play dependable football, uh, efficient football, manage the game, but to throw for 300 yards seemingly uh, every time that he's out there and throwing for touchdowns and making that offense explosive and finding the chemistry with Amari Cooper seemingly overnight um, has been tremendous. Like what a story. And I think, I think it's, it's what we've always said, at least my take on the Browns, um, heading in maybe the last couple of years was that if, if Deshaun Watson didn't even need to recapture his top five quarterback form, if he could just play consistently well, um, they'd be a very dangerous team. So not only are they getting, you know, consistent, dependable quarterback play, they're getting, you know, dare we say elite quarterback play 
from Joe Flacco. And then we're seeing what a, what a dangerous team they can be because that, that defense, you know, I think it's been clear all season long. It is for real. And, um, you know, the way Miles Garrett can just dominate and control a game um, is certainly something that can travel in the postseason. But uh, but to have a dangerous offense now, um, especially, you know, consider no Nick Chubb and, and kind of what, what he had meant to the team uh, all these years. And, and, you know, again, for Joe Flacco to come in and, and be so cool about everything and, and appreciate this go round. Um, you know, we saw what he did in the 2012 postseason, obviously one of the greatest quarterback performances, one of the greatest um, quarterback runs to a Super Bowl we've seen with, you know, all those touchdowns, no interceptions, kind of Joe Montana-esque. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to see what he does in this postseason. Can he do it again uh, at this ripe old age? I, I think had the, had the Broncos made the playoffs from coming back from one and five, that might've been the story of the year. But for me, that this Joe Flacco, especially if it's a deep playoff run, Right, uh, might be the favorite right now for an NFL story of the year. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, let me ask you about the Kansas City Chiefs now. That team, I know it hasn't been that their year, but still won 10 games in the complete panic mode. I know everybody's talked about the receivers and the drops and obviously the Taylor Swift story with Travis Kelsey and <laughs> down year and everything here. Uh, Omar, what, what, what do you make of Kansas City? Is that team – going to figure it out like they've done in the past when it comes to playoff time, or is this just kind of who they are right now? What, what's, what's your thoughts on that, that Chiefs team? Yeah, that, that was my concern uh, early in the year um, because I've always been one of those people that uh, had said they're going to figure it out. I have too much belief in Patrick Mahomes, I have, and I know you do too with that uh, frame behind you there along with Tiger oh, yeah. Woods. Uh, <laughs> I have too much belief in Patrick. I, I have too much belief in Patrick Mahomes. I have too much belief. And Andy Reid, I, I thought they would figure it out, no question. But the longer the season went on, the more that they struggled, I, I came to realize Mahomes and Reid can figure it out all they want. The chemistry, the scheme, game planning around their personnel, what they do best. But if guys can't catch the football, if they're going to make miscue after miscue, um, it doesn't matter how good the scheme is, you know, if the guys are open and can't execute the play. And so that was my worry. And so I think, their will to win is still as strong as ever. Um, I think the, the defensive improvement that we've seen all year long, uh, that, again, is one of those um, storylines that might keep them in a playoff game should the offense struggle. But I think they'll go as far as um, the plays that are made by the receivers. You know, can they get it together and and make the plays? You know, instead of those drops on you know, third and 19 where Mahomes puts it on their hands, do they make that catch? Here in the playoffs, that'll determine their fortune. I think they figured it out, but now it's just a matter of guys making plays, and um, and ultimately that that'll tell the Kansas City Chiefs story. Now, obviously, it's not encouraging right. what we saw in the regular season, but it is possible. And I think if anybody can do it, it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Uh, when you look at the AFC, I know we mentioned the Ravens is the favorite. Who is that team that you see as being their biggest challengers? It's still Kansas City. Is it? Buffalo or Miami or or is it Cleveland? Who who is the team that's caught your eye to to be the biggest threat to Baltimore there in the AFC? I think it's Buffalo because of the big arm of Josh Allen, a, a, a type of talent that you know it, it can be twenty degrees or a snowstorm, and and that physical talent can transcend any winter conditions or you know the some of the scenes we see in the playoffs, especially out east. 
Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, is something to consider, but the fact that just the bills are, are hot, they're playing confident. They still have all that talent. They still have all the talent on the team. Um, you know, obviously they've had injuries to Avius White, Matt Milano, you know, huge that, that I think earlier in the year, it took them a while to figure out how they're going to replace them. Um, you, you can't just figure that out overnight. Um, guys that are special like that, but I think over the long haul, they have figured it out. And I think that's the more dangerous team but the crazy part Tyler is you know there could be a scenario where Buffalo doesn't even make the playoffs yes. if they lose to Miami and, and the way the other um, configurations of, of the outcomes you know it, it, that's possible but they could also be the number two seed but but I think by and large given that Kansas City has struggled so much this year you know no no Joe Burrow and the Bengals this year you know you, you got got to hang your hat on the special quarterbacks and I think Josh Allen is that and so for that I, I think Buffalo you know, should they continue to, you know, elevate their play would be the biggest threat to Baltimore. Yeah, I agree. We're talking Omar Ruiz and the NFL Network here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, let's move over to the NFC side now, Omar. Um, I know you've covered the Niners a lot and seen that team. And here they are, the the one seed, and everything seems like on paper looks good. But everybody, I think, has, uh, you know, that, that memory of what we saw against Baltimore a couple weeks ago and how much Brock Purdy struggled in that game What's your confidence level on Brock Purdy? Can can he get the job done, carry this San Francisco team to where they need to go? Yeah, I'm a big believer in Brock Purdy. Um, obviously in that game. Um, and we we've seen it with quarterbacks over the years, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, where um there are there are balls he puts in danger that are dropped, or you know, the the defense just doesn't see the pass um right in front of them and, and the interception does not happen. And I think that was one of those cases on Christmas night where all of those went against Brock Purdy and, and the law of averages kind of caught up to him. And so I don't think that's a, an indictment on his play. It's things, poor circumstances. And, and Baltimore is that good uh, defensively. I know I tweeted, you know, that night about how, how Baltimore's defense is for real. And, you know, a lot of people responded like, oh, they're just getting lucky bounces you know, because it was off the hands of George Kittle or whatever. But it's like, you know, de- defenses that force turnovers create their luck. Yes. And uh, and certainly that that was the case for Baltimore. But but I think, again, you know, that was just, you know, Brock Purdy just had a bad game. And I yeah. think the way they responded uh, in Washington on the short week, um, you know, I think said a lot about where this 49ers team uh, is from a, a maturity standpoint. And uh, the fact that, you know, they're able to lock up that number one seed, they can get healthy, they can rest Christian McCaffrey, not only in week 18, but obviously the buy now, make sure he's 100% um, and get everything locked and loaded. So, yes, I've just seen Brock Purdy make too many special plays, too many special throws. And we saw it even on Sunday in that play where, you know, he kind of scrambles around and does things off system. It's not Kyle Shanahan's, you know, amazing scheming. Brock Purdy makes the play. Brandon Ayuk hooks around left end zone. Purdy finds them. Touchdown 49ers. And we've just seen that time and time again that I think that'll continue in the postseason. Not to mention the, the experience that he had last year. Uh, getting, you know, he won a couple games in the playoffs. He has that experience. He he knows what that feels like. And, and experience is obviously, um, you know, huge at this time of year. So uh, in Brock, I trust. And in the 49ers, I trust. And I think getting healthy, um, the NFC road going through Santa Clara, I, I think it'll be the 49ers that are heading to Vegas uh, in February. Yeah. Next man. month already. It's already next month. 
All right, all right, just just like that. Uh, I think them play, having those home games too in January are going to be such a big deal as well. Yeah. I mean that 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 environment, not having to go to Philly like they did last year, could yeah. be a huge difference. Speaking of Philly, the uh, defending NFC champions, man, that that thing has spiraled the last few weeks. And <laughs> I, I go back to Omar. You know, Jalen Hurts hasn't looked healthy, and yet they they still kept him out there, and he he didn't look like his normal self, but they got issues beyond just Jalen Hurts not being 100% healthy. I mean, that that team is just off as a whole right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating to watch. And I think I think you can sense that frustration in the locker room because how fun were the Eagles to watch last year? How good were they, um, you know, really all season long, except for that stretch where Hurts was, was out with a shoulder injury last year? I mean, this team looked like the best team in football consistently all year and and you know we're minutes away from winning the Super Bowl obviously and and I think they're chasing the ghosts of the 2022 season because um they know what their standard is they've set a level of expectations where what they established last year is is the bar for them and they want to raise the bar and it's just hard to do it's hard to replicate such a special season and and when you don't win the Super Bowl you kind of have that I think thought that you know, okay, we can get back to that. You know, it just takes a little bit of work, but but it doesn't. Sometimes it's, you know, special circumstances. So in other words, the frustration that we've seen is because they can't get to that level yet. And I don't know if they will. What I will say is that they're still talented enough to win games in the playoffs to make a deep playoff run because we've seen it. It's the same players that are there. Now, obviously the coordinators have moved on, but I think they'll figure that out. I, I think what's What's I, I think even more frustrating is the inconsistency that they've played with. You know, we, we saw them clean things up a little bit with Matt Patricia, you know, for a couple of weeks under 300 yards allowed for the first time since October. Um, they cleaned up their third down situation and then it all went to heck against the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, what happened? And so um, Brandon Graham, you know, being in that locker room on Sunday, there weren't too many specific answers, but Brandon Graham, you know, I, I thought had the best anecdote. And, and Tyler, I don't know if you know uh, BG or not, but you know, he's one of these optimistic, kind of always friendly, happy people. And so it's not a surprise for him to speak optimistically and still believing in this team. Obviously, a Super Bowl hero from you know the, the strip and on Tom Brady and Super Bowl Fifty Two and all that. But you know, he said you look at the play that Greg Dorch made down the stretch. Kyler Murray hits Dorch on and out. Avante Maddox misses the tackle. Dorch gets to the six and eventually sets up the game-winning touchdown. He said, Maddox coming back from injury, when he gets that opportunity in the postseason, he's going to make that tackle. They're getting Zach Cunningham back, their middle linebacker, who has played really well for them yeah. uh, this year. Darius Slay, one of the best corners in football, you know, is expected back for the playoffs. So they just get healthy. They get right. They get the consistency back. And I said this on our NFL report uh, earlier this week with Steve Weich and uh, James Palmer. Um, this team, they're, they're, they're just too talented to write them off despite their struggles. And and you brought up Joe Flacco a little earlier. Reminded me of the 2012 Ravens team. Mm. Where if you remember, they lost four or five heading into the playoffs. Right. They had fired Cam Cameron, their offensive coordinator. They bring in Jim Caldwell, but they still they lost four to five heading into the postseason. So a lot of similarities there for me with, you know, obviously Matt Patricia replacing Sean Desai as the play caller. On defense, still a lot of talent. You know, they've lost four to five currently, but there's still a lot of talent there that they can turn it around. They're good enough to win in the trenches and make a deep postseason run. I still believe 
in Philadelphia. You know, obviously not the favorite in the NFC, but I still believe in them that have the potential to make a Super Bowl run should they kind of turn it around like that. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. And uh, with that division race coming down to the wire between them and Dallas, we know how well Dallas has been at home. The best home field advantage in the, in the NFL we've seen over the last year or so. How important is the division title for that playoff picture for Dallas and Philly? What difference do you think that will make for uh, either team who comes away with uh, ultimately winning the division and that number two seed as opposed to being the five seed and being on the road uh, for the whole playoffs? Well, for Dallas, I think, you know, the, the questions are still surrounding them as far as winning on the road against good teams. Like, they haven't done it. And so I think it's still a question for them. Now, Philly, obviously, won two home games last year as the number one seed in, in this version of the Eagles. You know, the, the Jalen Hurts, you know, definitive football team, the A.J. Brown version of the Eagles have yet to play on the road uh, in the postseason. Now, Jalen Hurts has when they played Tampa a couple years ago and, and Tom Brady, but that wasn't the sort of electrifying Eagles that we've come to know in the last couple of years. So um, I think it is important. I think it's more important for Dallas. I think the way Philly plays, you know, the kind of dominant in the trenches with an offensive line and, you know, the big front on defense, I think, I think they can win on the road. And, and I think the experience and confidence they have, but I think if Dallas had to go on the road, they'd have to answer all those questions all week about, you know, their failure to win on the road this year against good teams and, and uh, as well as they seem to play against Miami a couple weeks ago on the road um, and, and Dak hitting that, you know, touchdown pass to Brandon Cook, seemingly the game winner, maybe his MVP moment. Obviously, they ultimately lost the game. And um, and so I think, you know, maybe that doubt creeps in. Um, so I think it's very important for Dallas, not as much for Philly. And um, and for that reason, I think the Cowboys put put the, uh, you know, pedal to the metal this weekend and they secure that uh, NFC East crown and and ultimately the uh, two seed. Last thing on the uh, the NFC, and then uh, then I want to ask you about some coaching changes here real quick. The Detroit Lions, we, we talked about great stories this year, what they've done, winning the division and everything, still in contention uh, for that two seed right now. What, what, what a job Dan Campbell's done. Are you buying them? Are they a true contender, or, or is this good run eventually uh, run out of here? What, what do you make of the Detroit Lions right now? No, I like them. I mean, I like that toughness. I like their mentality. Um, you know, that that is a style of football that can travel, you know, when you play physically. Um, kind of reminds me of those, uh, you know, the, the 49er teams of the Jim Harbaugh, Colin Kaepernick era that, you know, Justin Smith, you know, Cowboy, that you know, just real physical, that they had a uh, dominant offensive line. And and, and the Lions have, have that, you know, all those kind of first-round picks on that O-line. That is the type of, uh, team that can travel, um, but, you know, they'll get a home game, of course, but, you know, I think they can go on the road and beat people. And then, and I think they'll, you know, they lost the game and the whole, you know, eligible receiver controversy and the officiating on the, you know, with the lions, I think they'll gain confidence knowing that, you know, Hey, we, they went into uh, Dallas and, you know, should have beat them. And, and obviously what they did week one in Kansas city, you know, I think we'll kind of, you know, that confidence will, will spur them on in the playoffs. So I am a believer in Detroit. I've always loved Jared Goff, you know, covered him a lot when he was in the Rams. I think when he's on, um, he might be the most accurate passer in the NFL when he's on. Um, and um, and I think that has gone a long ways to their success and allowed guys like Amon Ross, St. Roth, St. Brown to flourish. Um, and and um, it, it's such a pretty, it's such a pretty offense when, when Goff is slinging it accurately and, 
leading receivers and hitting guys 40 yards downfield on a dime. Um, so, you know, I, I think they'll go as far as Goff will take them. You know, how um, if he can elevate his play, he certainly has the ability. Um, but it'll be a fun, a fun team to watch uh, in the postseason. And like you said at the beginning, what a great story for this yes. turnaround with, you know, Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, um, the general manager, and just, you know, sensational performances on the field and obviously has made Ben Johnson a coaching star here. And yes. we'll, probably won't be the OC there for much longer. No, no, not at all. Uh, let me ask you about uh, some coaching uh, stuff here. Uh, a lot of attention, of course, on Jim Harbaugh this week with Michigan in the national title game on Monday night against Washington and what his future looks like after that. Uh, I would think, Omar, that in Harbaugh's case, if he wants to make that move to the NFL, it it's not – if he can get a job, but which one he wants, I would guess there's probably a few teams that'll be making phone calls to his agent here. Oh, there's no question. And, and I think uh, his agent will make a few phone calls to teams as we've seen the last couple of years uh, with Jim Harbaugh, you know, hasn't made shy his interest of potentially returning to the NFL. And I think, you know, I think NFL owners Obviously, look at his track record with the 49ers and going to three straight conference championship games. Not only look at his track record at Michigan, has had them in the contention in the playoffs a bunch of times, but I think it's the style of play that Michigan plays with at the 49ers teams. I just, you know, talked about a little bit ago, you know, the physicality and, and you know, emphasis on, you know, smart, disciplined football players. I think that's something that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, 2024 or 1990 or 1963 you know this type of football that wins and, and obviously Harbaugh has had so much success playing that way and so I think that's attractive um you know if, if you're a team that's looking to hire and um and certainly he'll be in the conversation um you know for for multiple teams I think and I think you know I think the way that college game has changed so much um that you know it, it might be time for Harbaugh um you know, to want to get back to the NFL and, and maybe not a more perfect year than this one, especially if they win on Monday and he can ride off into the sunset. Yeah. I know you're following that uh, New England, New York game this weekend. That's where you'll be at. And a lot of eyes on the future of Bill Belichick and uh, what comes of that. What uh, What's your thoughts on that situation? And is this going to be the, uh, the last time we see uh, Belichick on a, a New England sideline here? You know what? I, I think it's hard, you know, when, when you have seen the guy on the sidelines since 2000 and it's been so long, it's hard to imagine a future there without him. Now I'm sure Robert Kraft has, you know, it's his job to, you know, f figure the uh, future of his organization um, with or without Bill Belichick. I, I just, I see that a window of Belichick returning. Cause I think, you know, we were talking, um, you know, off camera, a little bit ago, it's, you know, the, the defense is still playing well. Um, and, and Bill Belichick is not quarterback proof. Tom Brady was electrifying for years. Obviously, you know, they had put, put together the greatest run in the history of the NFL. Um, but as good as that defense has played and, and overcome the loss of Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez and, you know, the other key injuries they faced, you can't win in the NFL anymore with without, you know, decent, consistent, quarterback play and they haven't had that you know really they haven't had the consistency since Tom Brady left you know even though they did have Mac Jones rookie year and they went to the playoffs and everything hasn't been consistent since then and and you know not even the great Bill Belichick can overcome that 
over the long haul. So I think if they can just get the quarterback right, um, they can still have a winning program there in New England with Bill Belichick. And it's it's can I think the question here is, and this is all assuming Bill Belichick wants to say, you know, he obviously has the contract, you know, that he'll he'll be under for 2024. But if he can convince Robert Kraft that, like, hey, let me just get this quarterback figured out and we'll be all right. I, I think he might come back. Um, if he doesn't come back, I don't think we'll know Sunday night. I don't think we'll know Monday. If they do part ways, I think, you know, Robert Kraft and, and Belichick and Jonathan Kraft, they'll, they'll all have to come together and figure out, okay, how do we send him off? How do we do this? Not to mention the fact that, you know, other teams might be wanting to trade for him and, and right. how that plays out. But as far as like, if it was just a straight parting of the ways, it would be more than just, you know, hey, you know, giving him his walking papers after the game on Sunday or even, you know, Black Monday. Right. Um, so I think we'd see it play out. So I don't know if we'll have any true certainty uh, here this weekend, but but what a fascinating story this is. What a fascinating story it'll be this weekend, um, even if it, there is uh, no activity regarding his, his future one way or the other in the next few days, but um, obviously we'll know here in, in the next uh, couple of weeks, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Who knows? You might be seeing the uh, end of an era uh, there on Sunday. Omar, yeah. before we uh, run here, plug away. Where can people uh, find you on TV this weekend and uh, follow you on social media and all that stuff, man? Well, we'll have all, you know, all your games of, of note impacted uh, on NFL network uh, uh, with, you know, the Ravens and the Steelers playing on Saturday afternoon. And then, of course, the win and in game with the Colts and Texans, um, you know, your pregame, postgame coverage. And, of course, NFL game day morning on Sunday, highlighting all the matchups um, that for the rest of the NFL, the other 14 games. And, and like we mentioned, you know, so many have the impact. And and then you'll you'll see me from Foxborough on Monday. We'll have all your playoff previews. We'll have all of your coaching carousel news, including what might or might not happen. Uh, for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, and um, and then just tune into NFL Network all postseason long. We'll have it, you know, covered as comprehensively as as we always do, and and look forward to uh, providing that for you. Omar, great stuff as always. Uh, great to see you, man. And uh, we'll be talking down the line. Thanks for joining us. All right, Tyler. Thanks as always for having me, man. Look forward to it. Time for Coach Bo's football fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. Go to O'Connor Advisor Group. Uh, for all your financial needs, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Also check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast uh, on all podcast platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, uh, I know the start of the year for you. We, we've known each other a long time now. And the start of every year is always a big deal for you at O'Connor Advisor Group. Yeah, it really is. You know, everyone has New Year's resolutions. And when we have New Year's resolutions, it's always two things. I'm going to get my health right, and this is the year I get my money right. And so here's what I'll tell you. What we do really well right now is we want to help you get your money right. We want to help you. We we can give you some guidance. If you've got debt issues, we can give you some guidance there. Uh, we don't have programs to help you. That's just not what we do. But we can help you give us some, some, great, some great guidance. But if you're never sat down and said, hey, I got to start saving. I need to have an emergency fund of retirement or, you know, I'm thinking about saving for a business or to change jobs. We can help you with that. And there's lots of ways to do it. And there's really no minimums. I tell people this time of year, people, they'll say, well, I don't have a lot of money. 
look, we got programs here. We can start you at $100 a month. So if you're willing to do what I call the act of saving, you want help learning how to do that, reach out to us, oagks.com. You can even call me personally, 785-856-0720, and I will personally help you and come up with some ideas. We have a conversation. Get an idea of what you're looking to do. And once we have some kind of a commitment, boom, we can help you come up with a plan that fits your needs. OAGcast.com, AccountAdvisorGroup.com for more. Bo, uh, definitely some uh, great stuff there. Uh, Bo, I, we're going to talk plenty of college football in just a moment, but I already asked Tom about this at the top of the show, so now i got to ask you. I need your opinion on this. What do you make of the Super Bowl logo conspiracy? It sounds like some Aaron Rodgers bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I I saw that on McAfee this week. Now, normally, I don't get to watch that part, usually, because he comes on Tuesdays. And I have a standing meeting that's every Tuesday I go to uh, for the business, and it's a networking thing I go to. And so I usually don't get to see that part of McAfee. I do watch part of McAfee at the, at the office. Uh, while I'm working. But this week, we didn't have the meeting, so I'm at the office and I'm doing a bunch of service calls and meeting with people on the phone and on Zoom. And I heard during one of the breaks I had him talking, I heard most of the Aaron Rodgers interview. And he started talking about this. And I had never met, I've never seen a guy who believes in more conspiracy, conspiracy theory bullshit as much as Aaron Rodgers. And this really hurts me. Because I'm the one who, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I have said of every quarterback I've ever watched, he is the most skilled player of the quarterback position of all time. Yeah. But I look at him and I hear him talk and I want to just slap him. (laughs) Like, you can't possibly believe all this bullshit. Do you really believe all of this? What if we get... Niners, Ravens in the Super Bowl. Well, there's a chance we are going to get Niners, Ravens in the Super Bowl. I mean, that is the two favorites right now. Look, it it, it just is what it is. There's no conspiracy. There's no the the league. It, you're a WWE league. fan. You don't you don't like the idea of the NFL being scripted? It's not scripted. No, <laughs> want to say that, and then they want to point to what happened in the Dallas Detroit game. Look, clearly that was not the correct call, but. It wasn't scripted. It wasn't. No, it was a mistake. And the <laughs> NFL needs to own that it was a mistake. Better. They need to own it better than they have, for sure. Yeah. But no, this isn't a script. You're going to tell me that there's a conspiracy with this many fucking people involved. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. This is some Aaron Rodgers bullshit. That's, that's what I'm going to say. And then Aaron Rodgers, when he got the script, he found out that he was going to have a non-contact. Yeah, you can't people. have it both ways, Aaron. You can't <laughs> say, oh, well, it's scripted. And then, well, motherfucker, you went out in four plays. Was that part of the script? Yeah, let me let me do the interview instead of McAfee. I'd have Aaron Rodgers just running. I'd have him, oh, all of a sudden his Zoom link ain't working. And again, it hurts me because I think he's uber talented. I think he's the most talented player to play his position in the history of the game. But no, he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Let me say it this way. If Aaron Rodgers were the one dating Taylor Swift, this world would explode. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, he's um, already hit. 
leave it to Tom to go there. You know, and I don't know. I just don't, I don't believe in a lot of conspiracy theories in the first place. I mean, there's a couple of them, I believe. Like, there's a couple in this world, I believe. If we were going to do the conspiracy theory draft again, the Super Bowl logo theory might go first round now, Tom. No. Oh, no, I think it would. Well, you know what? To be fair to Bo, it works out pretty fucking good that it's going to be the two one seeds. Like, that's not that crazy. (laughs) You know, now, if it was, like, fucking Detroit versus, you know, the Bills sneak in and it's, you know, blue and orange, then, you know, you might have something there. Uh, another thing, Bo, you, uh, you know, I said Aaron Rodgers already hit. What do you think he did in the dark for a week? That's a good question. <laughs> he was doing shrooms to Taylor Swift. He wasn't doing it with Taylor Swift. He was, he was doing it with somebody in there. You know, but he's had, look, he's had some celebrity, you know, um, relationships as well. Yeah, Olivia Munn and Danica Patrick are the two that come to mind. And Blue They've been all brunettes, uh, though, haven't they? Uh, What's the actress? Shanae Woolery or something? Yeah. I don't, who, I don't know who that is. But still, I mean, it's – yeah, but you know what? They, they all saw the same thing that we we're all seeing. He's a crazy motherfucker, and he went on shit, and he ran away. His family's not around either. Yeah. No, there's something to that. Even his family thinks he's crazy. Um, we'll get back to the NFL football here in just a bit. Uh, I do want to start with college football playoff. Um, let's uh, let's start with that Michigan-Alabama game uh, of what transpired there. Michigan really just dominated in the trenches. And I can't remember the last time, if ever, under Nick Saban, we've seen a team just worked like that. Milrow did not play good. Uh, Michigan made the necessary plays. I didn't feel like Michigan even played that great. I thought they played good enough to win, but that wasn't Michigan's best game, and they were clearly the better team. What did you think of what we saw in that game? I thought it was a tale of two halves. I thought Michigan dominated the first half. I thought every way that Michigan could dominate a game, they did in the first half, but they didn't score enough points. And then in the second half, I thought Alabama dominated. I thought Alabama dominated except for the last three minutes of the game. Within the last three minutes of the second half, they dominated Michigan. Um now, what I'll say about Bama this year is that's not as talented a team as Alabama has had the last four, five, six years. Yeah. And I think that Milrow is still young. I see the talent, but there's a lot of little stuff that needs to be cleaned up before he's going to be like an elite level quarterback. I see why there's people excited about him. I do see that. But there's still some things I don't I see that I'm like, ooh, he needs coaching on this. He's late with his throws down the field sometimes. Um, you know, it's he's got a strong arm, he's athletic as hell. Um, he's a he's a bigger guy. I I see a lot of upside in, in Milrow. I just look at it now and go, that's not your normal Alabama team. I mean, they've been, I mean they played above what their actual value is and as far as they're who they are um but yeah i looked at it and michigan outplayed them the last two minutes that that was all he really needed it was a great game um i hated the play call at the end of the game and i thought that i think that i think nick saban didn't even like the play call from way based on what he said at the press conference did you see that oh. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. So the play call was it was an RPO play, but with the bad snap, it forced 
Milrow to go to QB power. Yeah, he had to keep it. And it was going to be a um, it was going to be a read option play where if he kept it, he would have gone up the middle. Right. And yeah. there were two receivers open with blockers on the left side of the field. So it, it wasn't a – I'll tell you what I – well, I can get to this later, but I think that a lot of it is it looked like Saban let Tommy Reese call the play, and the way Saban said it after the game was it wasn't a great play call because it didn't work. Right. Was the snap low? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was a bad I think, snap. I think that could attribute to it. I it absolutely did. It absolutely did. But at the same time, I don't think that that was – I think it had to be – I would have gotten Milrow out of the pocket. Now, it's hard because they were also on the right hash. Right, right. He's a right-handed quarterback, so you wouldn't have a lot of room to go right. So you would have had to have been something special to get him out to the left. And then he'd have to square up to throw or to try to run it in. Could you then shovel? I would have gotten the athlete into some space and figured that I would have used that wider side of the field with my best athlete, which is Milrow. You got to come up with something that's going to be, and they've got this, they've got something where they're going to run a couple of motion guys to be lead blockers and then make sure that defensive end doesn't come getting off the edge. But I, I didn't like the play call, but again, the snap, you don't even get a chance to run the play, really. Is that the last of Nick Saban at Bama? How much longer do you think he's there? Okay, so I, this is where I was going to go, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I do think that was Nick Saban's last game. I, I have said it all season. I thought that this was – I thought the end of last season was going to be the end of his career. I think this is going to be the end of Nick Saban. I wouldn't be surprised the next two or three weeks if we hear Saban's going to retire. Um, you know, I don't think he wants to deal with NIL. I don't think he wants to deal with like the man's 72 years old. This is what we know in the last year. The last year he's been he's turned 72 years old. He bought an $18 million home on the Florida coast. What a huge mansion. He's in Alabama and he hasn't won a national title in five years. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about Nick Saban when I say that. What I mean by that is 2020 was the last title they won. The COVID. Yes. What I mean by that is the expectation in his own place is to win national titles. Alabama people or their fan base are strange. Look, they're mad at Nick Saban right now. They think they should have won and they think they should have been the national champions. And that when they don't win the national title, they blame Nick Saban. And fucking white privilege. That. What's that? A bunch of fucking white privilege. It is. It is. It's not really look, white privilege, but yeah. Well, what Alabama fans need to realize is who they were before he showed up. Shit. They were not a good program for a generation. Right. And Nick Saban came in and changed everything. He is literally the greatest college football coach of all time. Mm -hmm. To do what he's done in this level at this time is amazing. And I just... Why would you want to deal with that if you're him at this point? Yeah. Um, at his age, he's got his grandkids. He's got a standing offer to go work at ESPN and make some good money there, too. I mean, Wherever he wants to go, he'll, he'll be able to make a boatload of money still if he wants. He'll be easier to work. Plus, the NIL thing is going to be interesting in Alabama. They don't have an NIL. They don't have as much money 
as other programs in their own conference. Right. There's more alumni money at half of the SEC schools. A&M. A&M. I mean, that's a great example. A&M. Um, Florida. Tennessee. Georgia. They all have more money. Hell, Auburn has more money than Alabama does. Yeah. But the namesake and the and reputation. That's going to be an issue moving forward. I'll yeah, tell yeah. you, I want to counterpoint you, Bo, why I don't think he's going to leave just yet. I think this is the year that he said, okay, I'm hanging it up. I think I think he cares about that program like a child. I really do. I think he's going to set it up for the best, best success. I think this year he's like, all right, fucking I'm done. I think he's got two more years in him, then he hangs it up. He figures out the guy, kind of like Bob Stutes did with Lincoln Riley. He finds his guide to be his his successor. I don't know who who would be the successor right now. I mean, it He's would be the best staff. job in the nation. He's not on that staff. Not on that you know, staff. I think the, I think the thought for the last couple of years was that it would be Dabo Sweeney, but I don't think that's going to happen either. And, and Kirby's right. not coming back either. Kirby's not. No. Yeah, Kirby's Smart. It's going to be hard to get a top notch guy. Sorry, uh, I don't I mean, know who that guy is. You're, I you're think hope right now the. The 32nd Bama hot board would be Sark, Lane Kiffin, Dan Lanning, Kalen DeBoer. I mean, just off the top of my head. Yeah, Sark was Bill O'Brien. Oh, oh, God. Uh, I think they stay away from Bill O'Brien. I think he'll be considered. I do. I don't think he'd get the job. I'm taking Sark. Sark has proved himself this year. Yeah, but see, but so went, that's, you could argue that's I a downgrade because Texas got more resources. That's I mean, exactly where I was going to go. And more that, money. I that's called do. resources. Yes, I don't know if they can oh, yeah. pay. I could pay him more money than Texas can, and I don't know that he has the resources at Alabama that he would at Texas. Right. You know, that's whoever is They're, and whoever follows Nick Saban at Alabama is going to be walking into an impossible situation. I mean, it's different than when he left the previous job years and years ago. He, I mean, he was at LSU. He was great at LSU. He turned that program around. Right. He went to Miami to the Dolphins, and you know, not getting Drew Brees hurt him. He had to settle for um, um, Dante Culpepper. Yeah. <laughs> Damn then, man, well I'm so yeah. old after that. Man. And then he's there two years. They're a 500 team, but he can't coach the way he wants to coach in the NFL. Right. Right. Uh, let's talk about Michigan now. Uh, I, I looked at that, that Michigan team, the way they dominated. I, I know that J.J. McCarthy was the Rose Bowl game uh, most outstanding player, and he put up good numbers. But I'm watching that game, I'm like, they're not necessarily win because of J.J. McCarthy. This team as a whole just looks good. And the way they're dominating at the line of scrimmage, and, and that defense, like that defense is so stout and everything – they don't even ask a ton out of J.J. McCarthy, but he still made the throws he needed to. Yeah, I don't think that I – mean, he had a great game, and I but I think Blake Corum's the the – I think he's the sauce in that yes. offense. And I think that the, the Michigan Wolverines do what the 49ers do in the NFL. They just commit the block. They commit to dominating the offensive line. And then J.J. McCarthy's uh, – and I don't mean he's good enough. I'm going to say the words good enough, but it's going to give him less credit than he actually deserves. But he's good enough that when you need some plays, he can make them. He's been he's healthier now than he has been most of the season. Right. That helps. Um, in the end, 
That's a juggernaut of a team. I think we're in for a hell of a championship game. Yeah, I think so. What about Harbaugh? We talked about Saban. Um, got all the NFL rumblings going on. Um, obviously, he got suspended twice this year with the cheating allegations uh, and then the Connor Stallion stuff. Um, what's kind of your thoughts on uh, where Harbaugh stands right now? I think he's going to get the biggest offer to go back to the NFL. Look, this guy's been a success everywhere he's been. You know, he took a basically a volunteer job at the University of San Diego. They did great. He went to Stanford. He turned Stanford into a powerhouse at the time. He goes to the NFL. He was fantastic. Went to a Super Bowl in San Francisco. Leaves to go back to his alma mater. And if you think about Michigan, Michigan hasn't won a national championship in 30 years. Yeah. I think it's even longer than that now. But there, did you think when he got there, before he got there, did you think that Michigan was going to be in that top five programs programs in the country? I did. I predicted he'd win a national title at Michigan. Now, I mean, before he was there, if you had looked at before he was there, for the 10 years before, would you have said, hey, this program can get back? To be in oh. a top five program. No, not, not before he got there. They lost, they lost their biggest rival, Ohio State, every year. Right? Oh, before he was there, they were Penn State right now. Yeah. yeah that's course, a really good way to look that, at actually. Yeah. Right, then, right. Then they, would play, they would play Notre Dame. Notre Dame would beat them up. Then they would play other – it's like, okay, this team does not win their state of conference. They run into their their their, their cross-state rival beats – or their state rival over beats them every year. Yeah, and then – that stretch between Lloyd Carr and Harbaugh was rough. Yes, and that's what where it was Brady Hoke or um, it, guys were good coaches. Rich Rod, Rich Rodriguez, who again I I mean he has issues as well. But Jim Harbaugh came in there and changed everything. I I was listening to something they were talking about, and someone said this, and now I don't disagree with this, but is there been a better coach? at both the college and NFL level than Jim Harbaugh. I yeah. can think of one. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson's the only mm-hmm. one I can think Jimmy Johnson's on my Mount Rushmore football coaches. So, I mean, Ooh. it's hard. I'm, yeah. I, dude, he changed football forever. Um, But really, other than Jimmy Johnson, I can't think of anyone who is as successful. You can argue Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl, you know, but – that wasn't his team. That was Jimmy Johnson's team. You know, you I mean, Jimmy Johnson felt like kind of like Phil Jackson. He kind of had everybody. Yeah, he put that team together though. But he put those teams uh, together. Fair. He put up. Yeah, fair. Oh, true, he, yeah. Well, he took the U and made him the U. Right. And when he fair. left. He, he made him the boys. Yeah. Went wow. He put something in here, and then the thing he with Dallas, and what he did in Dallas was phenomenal. They had the worst team in the league. They had the worst. Everything was terrible there. And they turned that around into being the team of the 90s to where he was so good that when he left, they were still good because of what he put in place. Teams now use his draft uh, draft board uh, values for picks and values. He right. was the first guy to come up with that. On- but going back to the Harbaugh thing, yeah, right. I mean, I think Harbaugh goes to the NFL. There's no chance that someone's not going to want him. And it's a matter of him saying what's the best fit for him. Again, I think a lot of it now is I don't think he wants to play the NIL game. How much of it has to do thing. with these these scandals that have gone on, you think? 
And I think that's part of it too. I think that part of it is he's looking at it going, and and look, I kind of agree with him on this. He's looking at these scandals and going, you know what? We can't, you're going to penalize me on some bullshit. And that's really what this is. We're buying a kid a cheeseburger. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to penalize him on some bullshit when we're now paying players. Right. The rules we had three and four years ago are different than they are now, but we're still going to enforce some of the old bullshit. You know, it's selective enforcement. And Michigan's getting hit with selective enforcement, in my view. What they've done is no different than anybody else when it comes to scouting future opponents. Look, everybody does that. Everybody does. Michigan's got caught in the wash on it. I mean, and just that's it. But you don't think Notre Dame's doing it. You don't think LSU or Alabama or something. They're all doing it. Everyone is. I think someone from the NCAA is trying to chase Harbaugh out of town. Yes. And and look, they're, they're going to chase him right into a bigger paycheck somewhere else. Now, the only way he'll, he'll stay if – now, I heard he hired a new agent. Yeah. And if if Michigan backs up a Brinks truck that's bigger than Nick Saban's, maybe Harbaugh stays. And they got the money, but, man, I I don't know. He's going to get an NFL job. What's uh, the best fit? Uh, it's Chicago Bears. Yeah. I was thinking the Bears. Yeah, I mean, people are trying to say the Chargers the best job because of Herbert, but, I mean, you never play home games. you got a cheap ownership group. Like The ownership alone makes that a bad job. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I think the Chargers are as bad a job as the Panthers are. I don't think Herbert is going to be there for long either. I think eventually he'll force his way out of there if things continue as they are. So Commanders? Commanders a bad job too. Um, I think the right guy in that job could make it work when you got the new owner. But you got to get also the new stadium and you got to get Jim Harbaugh would make a lot of sense for the Commanders. That's what I'm saying. I I think him going to the Bears is like his homecoming of going to Michigan. He played for the Bears. He loves that. Yeah, Trying to to resurrect the Bears, too. Justin Fields there. You know, they got – Yeah, you think think he dips out – you think he dips out Justin Fields and takes Caleb? I think Fields is coming back. I think they're going to trade that number one pick and get more picks. I do, too. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the Sugar Bowl now, uh, that uh, Texas-Washington game. Texas uh, came out sluggish. Quinn Ewers didn't play that great uh, defensively. Michael Penix just really picked that defense apart. Uh, we talked about the injuries in the secondary, but they were even worse than I think any of us can t- anticipated. That was not the 14th-ranked defense in the country that we saw uh, all season long. They, they got they got exposed. What went wrong with, with Texas in that loss, uh, Bo? Well, I think it's a couple things. One, okay, so the receiving core was finally healthy for Washington. We saw early in the season, I mean, we were talking about Michael Penix, the Heisman, in week like three and four and five, and said, hey, if he matches up later, he can win this thing. Yeah. Um, we saw Michael Penix play the best he's played since like week five. Made every throw. Every throw was incredible. He looked incredibly good. He was pinpoint. He's got a strong-ass arm. Those three receivers. They're all NFL guys. They will all have careers in the NFL. They're big guys, too. Boy, it helps to have big guys throw the football. Even team. the white receiver, Polk, was very good. Yeah. yeah. They they have quietly recruited very well, and they put big dudes, big targets 
for him to throw the ball to. And it, it was pretty amazing. Mike uh, Penix looked like he did in that week two to seven, where he was unstoppably good. Yes. And I was worried going in because outside of the championship game against Oregon, he didn't play well, and their defense gave up a lot of points. I said before the game, I was asked about it, and I said, look, if this is a shootout, Washington wins. Texas cannot go step-to-step step with this Washington offense. Yeah, that was true. Texas defense turns them over a couple times and doesn't let them get the lead. Texas wins the game. And it just so happened that Washington got the lead, and it was, oh, you're not going to play from behind against them. And that's the same thing they're going to try to do against Michigan because Michigan can't play catch-up to that offense either. That's where I – this is this is two totally different teams playing this next – Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. I want folks on Texas here. I, want, we'll yeah, I thought Texas looked really sluggish. Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned that word. I agree. Um, Quinn Ewers never looked – Confident in the pocket. No. The run game wasn't really there. Washington. I thought they took took way too long to get Mitchell involved in that offense. Yes, they did. And I think they were on their heels because they got behind. Yeah. And once they got behind, they were like, oh, shit, we don't score points like this. What do we do? And that was a big deal. I, I just think that. I think the thing also to think about, though, is that I think Sarkeesian's done a hell of a job there. Yes. It's a really talented team. They're a well-coached team. They're disciplined. But there's a lot of adjectives I'm going to use about this Texas team that I don't think I would have used for a Texas team, even under Mac Brown. Disciplined. Um, you know, they give a full effort. They're talented. I mean, it's not – there's a – Corner that's been turned by the University of Texas under Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. That now they are a contender and they're going to be a contender for a very long time. Texas is back. Period. They were never there. They're just, they're, they're there now. I refuse to call them back because they were been back for 40 years ago doesn't count. 50 years ago doesn't count. I mean, my lifetime ago does not count. Oh, five doesn't count. What? Oh, five doesn't count. You had one year in there. You had one year because you had one of the greatest college football players of all time. Speaking of the quarterback situation for Texas, we mentioned Ewers didn't look great. A lot of Texans fans saying Ewers needs to get out of town. Arch needs to take over. That Quinn was holding the offense back. Um, Bo, I, I don't think Quinn's leaving. I don't think Arch is leaving either. But I would expect going into next year, the leash could be short on Quinn Ewers. If if the offense isn't humming and he isn't playing to his full potential, the 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 noise is going to be loud for Arch next year. So I think this is going to be the part that makes or breaks Sarkeesh. He's got to figure out this thing because I think they I think Quinn Ewers has got to come back. I don't think he can go pro. Um I don't know that Arch Manning stays if Quinn Ewers stays. I know that there's a lot, and I know that there's been talking. His grandfather already said he ain't going nowhere. He said he wasn't going anywhere. I, he's too good a quarterback to not be a starting quarterback wherever he's at. And there's a couple of big-time schools that need a starting quarterback. Oklahoma State does. Oh, stop. Well, 
Stop. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Ohio State does. Ohio clearly. State does, yes. LSU needs a quarterback. I don't think that they think Garrett Nussmeyer is there. But, oh, hold on a second. Let's say both guys stay. How yeah. does that situation go next year? You, I think you're right on the short leash piece, but I also think that when you switch, you can't go back. That's right. going to be the hard part for Sarkeesian. And that, that would be the end of Ewers right there, too. Yes, if you bench Ewers, you can never bring him back. I think and the thing Mark about that, I think is, the thing about that that would scare Sark in a sense, too, is he's like, wow, if I do this, it might be best for my team, but I'm effectively ending Quinn Ewers' career. There's no going back. His stock plummets. Um, that's it for Quinn Ewers. It's, it's sayonara. Well, you know, you know what this reminds me of is the one time I can remember the quarterback thing like this, and this is a generation ago now, was University of Michigan, Tom Brady, Andrew Henson. Yeah. Mm. And you go, okay, well, once you sit one, you can't go back. You can't go back. And that's what really happened to Tom Brady was Drew Henson played better. They put Drew Henson. But I can see where Quinn Ewers still gets a chance in the NFL if he gets benched by Texas next year because it is Arch Manning coming. You know, who a lot of people think is the second coming. But look, I Wayne Ewers played very well this year. And he's a I don't know if he's a great NFL prospect, but I do know that he's gonna get a chance. And I do know that he's not gonna go out there and lose you a game. He's worthy of being a, a quarter a starting quarterback on a top five team. Yes. I don't think he played horrible. I think he was nervous. I think he played with nerves. I think that's normal for a 20 for 20, 21 year old kid. Yeah. So I look at that and I go, okay, so Sarkeesian's got to figure this out. The biggest issue I see is if they both come back, it's the understanding of if you mess up, I go to him. So like, you, if Quinn messes up, you got to go to Arch. Quinn doesn't go back in. No matter if Arch plays or, bad or Or one more. Quinn, you've been injury prone for two years. You get hurt again. Arch isn't giving the job back. Yeah, I mean that's so. Yeah. So in that case, if you're Arch Manning, do you just do you leave? I think he rides the wave. I think he stays. I, I think tend, he stays too. I tend to think he's going to stay just because he's a Manning, and I think that's a big deal for them to stay with what they're doing. I think his grandpa already said it, you know, publicly. Well, boy, if I'm Arch Manning, I'm looking at that Ohio State job. No, no. What do you think about Quinn? You think Quinn's staying for sure? Yeah, I do. Because I mean, he's not. He's in this draft class. He's not a quarterback that's going to go high in. Well, no. I'm saying he wouldn't hit the transfer portal. I mean, this is pretty late, but still. There's another another opening coming, and we'll see a couple guys go. Right, but I. It would take Ohio State probably calling Quinn back and offering the bag. Yeah, and I don't think he goes back to Ohio State. I don't. Why would you do that? I mean, what's the use? You've gone to Texas and proven you're better. You can stay in the if Big 12 Ewers, and take any team to the top. If you're Quinn Ewers, you go in there this next season thinking like you're Joe Burrow. Yeah. You left Ohio State. You went over and you played extremely well, you know, especially at the end of the second half of the season. You go, okay, I played great. Now I get the chance to really show who I am. And a year from now, if Quinn Ewers has – as good a season or better than he did this year, he's a top draft pick. Right. Quinn can play his way to being the number one pick next year. 
He could. He could play himself into the first so round. Here's, here's my deal. All those receivers are gone. I think I think Brooks – does Brooks come back, the running yeah, back? Brooks is already coming back, yeah. Okay, and so Sanders is gone. Adonai Mitchell, I think, is gone. Whittingham's gone. Xavier Worthy is gone. Now, obviously, Texas is going to reload, but he's going to have to build chemistry with essentially all new receivers or the backups. Uh, it's it's going to be – and he's moving in the SEC. It's going to be a little bit harder for Texas. I still think they have good success. But it's going to be a little bit fucking harder. No, For sure. I, I think that's the piece that's the the piece of the hangover is the going to the SEC. The competition's got better, right? Because they will play. They'll play A and M now. They're going to play Alabama. They're, they're going to play Michigan. Gonna, you know, they're going to and they're playing Michigan in the in the preseason. In the, in the, in the yeah. So that's yeah, that's difficult. I think that I see that. I see where you're at with that. As yeah. far as the. The players, you know, you're going to be moving in new four-star recruits, the wide receivers, and they're going to be moving on to the next next group. And they're going to get guys in the portal. Yeah, they're. I mean, yeah, but that Sanders kid's the number two tight end if he wants to go. Brock Bowers already declared, but that Sanders kid's going to be number two tight end overall. That's a safety blanket I've ever seen one. Adnai Mitchell's great. Xavier Worthy is one of the best receivers I've ever seen. Um, as as far as impact made on one team, uh, I mean Jordan Wyndham, that catch he made, what however many yard forty one yard catch downfield, you're not going to have that security blanket. And what you guys said about you know, I, I disagree. Maybe I think Arch that's... being on a short or not Arch, but um, when being on a short leash, I think it's even shorter than what he even thinks. Yeah, I disagree. I think that's an old take like four years ago. Like, ah, you can't just reload. Now in today's college football, you reload. Like, you're right back there. Like, they're going to go. They're Texas. You can go get talent. You know, you can go buy it, basically. You know, basically. So, on Washington. Chemistry's not there. And that that can be worked out. Washington. Let's talk about the Huskies here. Penix, phenomenal. Um, I love the way he played. That receiving core. Uh, Romo Dunze is fantastic. Polk is great. I mean, that offense was cooking. The defense played a lot better than I think any of us expected because that was, of the four playoff teams, that was the worst unit of any of the four going in was the Washington defense. That's what most people thought. And they held their own against that Texas team, got the stops they needed to. Um, Man, I'm looking at Penix. I know that people don't like him being left-handed or that he's got a funky throwing motion, whatever. But he puts the ball where only his receiver can get it. It's either complete or it's incomplete. He doesn't have turnover-worthy plays. He's got the big playability. Um, Washington, if they're going to beat Michigan, they're going to try to turn this thing into a shootout here. Look, Yeah, they'll try to turn it into a shootout. If that's the only way for them to win. They're going to have to roll up 35-plus points. And, and turn it into an absolute shootout. That's the only way to win. They cannot get in there win this game 20, 20 to 17. It's just not going to happen. I mean, their defense isn't good enough to do that. Their defense played much better against Texas. Now, it helps when Texas has to become one-dimensional and throw the ball as much as they had to do because of what the offense did to get them the lead. Right. So – that's what's going to have to happen in the championship game. If if Washington wins the the toss, they're going to take the ball. Yes, 
They're going to try to get that. We want the ball, we're going to score. Yeah, they want the ball. Exactly. They're going to try to score, score, score. And they want to get up 14, 17. And they want to turn, they want to take Quorum out of the game, McCarthy's run out of the game, and make McCarthy sit in a pocket. Now, Michigan has two big defensive ends. They got a good defensive line. I mean, they sacked Milrow six times in that game. Yeah. I mean, and then they made the big play at the end of the game. I mean, you look at it and go, hey, this is the team that could get after the quarterback with Penix. As far as you talked about people like liking Penix or disliking him because he's left-handed, you know, Tua Tagovailoa is left-handed. But Michael Penix is a much better arm. I mean, he's got a freaking can. I heard Joel Klatt say today uh, his player comp for Penix was Tua and said he is a bigger, stronger version of Tua. Yeah, I think he's a bigger, stronger version of Tua. I'll tell you who I think Michael Penix plays like. I think he plays like Steve Young. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a great comparison. I mean, like, Penix, he's not that mobile. Uh, No, he's not. He's had knee knee issues when he's he's much younger. Yeah. But he he can throw on the run. He's not going to run for 15, 20-yard gains, but he can still get you, you know, escape ability to get the pass He's going to get you the four yards out of bounds, get the first down. Right. When you need to, when he's scrambling. He makes good decisions with the ball. Which, Um, that's what I need out of an NFL quarterback. Yeah. And I think the big thing you do with the Michael Penix is you're just getting big receivers. I mean, just big sons of bitches. Every receiver needs to be six foot four, 225 pounds and big. And you do that and you put Michael Penix out there, it's the same thing I would have done with Tua. I mean, Tua does have Tyreek Hill, who's not as big as those guys, but is the fastest guy in the league. But you put a bunch of big targets out there, he's going to find them. I, I haven't seen accuracy from a quarterback like that in a while, maybe since Burrow against OU. That was the most accurate I've seen a quarterback in a lot. I mean, that's that was a performance. And he played that well against Oregon in the play in the in the championship game. He did. His he is his throws were that good in that game. There were three or four other games this season where his throws were great. They look awkward only because he's left-handed. Right. We're so used to watching everybody being right-handed. There's a video I need to send you. It's a reverse angle of if Penix was right-handed, everything yeah. looks normal. It's, it's normal. It's just because we're so used to 95% of the quarterbacks being right-handed. I bet and he's a great darts player. <laughs> I I would. I bet he was a great baseball player when he was young, too. I bet he could freaking throw a rock. I bet he could throw a baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, the kid's got, he's got an arm. He, he and he's a little bit older too. He's, I mean, he's a couple he's of years. Spring chicken. He's like 25. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's a, so I, but I do think he's going to be a pro, but he'll be a first round pick. Um, I think a, a lot of teams are going to want him as well. Um, I, there's not a lot to dislike about Michael Pence, dude. I've got two questions for you both after you get done with this discussion. Go ahead. Okay. Make it quick. All right. So, Here's the first one. If the if the Heisman was picked after the bowl games, who's your Heisman? Well, Jaden Daniels didn't play in the play, in the playoff games, so if he, if he was, if he, he was, I mean, I okay, that's that's, that's fair. A, I don't know. I think it's that's apples and oranges. It's, it's what, not what a it's not a postseason who, award. It's our, a, our, okay, it's scratch then. Who was your Heisman? Jaden Daniels. Yeah, mine was too. 
Mm, see, my Michael Penix did not Penix. play as well as Jaden Daniels did. No. And and no like, all right. We are. We yeah, would be okay, changing so. the definition. That is a regular season award. Yeah. And, and the reason, Tom, yeah, the reason Tom is that is it really, it really shouldn't be. I don't think. No, I, see, here's my disagree. I disagree. Every other MVP award in sports is a regular well, season award. That's and, here's no. Here's I, I, but I, okay, I then I'll continue on. I don't think they should be. Well, here's what Tom, here's you have why the Finals the MVP and the Super Bowl MVP and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, let me let me explain it. This is why it doesn't really count in my in my view. And not because of opt-outs necessarily, but all bowl teams are different teams, except when you're in a playoff. They're all different teams than they were all season long. They're really taking that bowl game to prepare for the next season. Yes. Well, and that's the real so. difference. You know, I think it's different when you're playing for the national championship. You're in the playoff. Of course, you're going to roll your best players and everything out. But you'll watch these bowl games. Even the the teams who had players that didn't opt out didn't play them the whole game. They wanted to see those players behind them play in this game. Best quarterback you've seen this bowl so, season. So, yeah. It, I, I see that. I will, I will say, Tom, and I think that your idea – wouldn't be bad, and it might be one of the few things that can make the Bulls meaningful again because the Bulls really weren't that fun. Right. And so, so I, I can see where you're going season. with that, and I don't necessarily disagree, but that's the reason I don't agree. I mean, you could even say that MV, like in NBA MVP, like obviously Jokic is the best player in the NBA, but but that's why you have the most outstanding player of the national championship or I mean, the yeah, but it, MVP or the, the, NB, the Super Bowl MVP. That's I, why I get win. that. I get that. But that doesn't count as much. I don't feel like. Well, I, I, I think it's it's a waste of time. I don't know. Final question. Yeah. Final question. Who's the best quarterback? We've seen every team play. Best quarterback you've seen or best player. Either one this bowl season. In the bowl season. Ooh. Best player well, you've seen outstanding had the best performance. game so far, I think, is Michael Penix. Yeah. It's I Michael think he Penix. had the best game I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one more thing on college football, then we got to move on to the NFL side. Um, a lot was made about Georgia and Florida State with Georgia's kick-ass performance over the Knowles. And, you know, obviously Florida State had all those opt-outs. Um, you know, I look at it two ways, Bo, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an indictment on Florida state of, of them as a, you know, playoff team or not, because they got blown out by 50 points when their JV team was playing. But I do think it is an indictment on Mike Norvell that he did not get his team up to play for that game. while Kirby smart on the other side was, had, his team was just as pissed off about not making the playoff and got all those guys to play and they played hard and they looked great. That's what I thought it was. I, I don't think it was an indictment on the playoff at all. I do think it was an indictment on Mike Norvell though. I don't, I don't agree with that either. And I'll tell you why I think uh, the quarterback play is so important and they went in that game with one quarterback and he's the fourth, the third or fourth guy. I mean, that's. But they didn't get Tate Rotomaker to play. It didn't. It, I don't think that's important. I think that this that bowl game didn't mean any. That's the the like that's the problem. It's the it's the problem that has now come about because of the playoffs. 
the playoff has made the Bulls un not only unwatchable, but there's just no reason to be involved with. Really, even the teams are thinking, okay, let's about next year. It's not about this year anymore. It's not about I capping mean, off. Kirby this gets game. his guys to play. Saban got his guys to play in the bowl game. Well, Saban's playing for a national title. And Curry got his guys to play. But none of them. I said last year in the Sugar Bowl. He got his guys to play. Bryce Young and all that played. Yeah. Mike, Mike Norvell, like to me, that showed a lack of leadership on his part. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that that's more of I think it's just as much leadership saying, hey, I'm gonna take the guys I got and I'm gonna go play and do the best we can do. And there's gonna be opportunity. He's got to also figure out what he's got left because he's got another transfer portal. They've already got another quarterback coming in now, you know, and and so they got to figure that all out. They go, okay, what what are my needs now? And I think that that's what they were looking at going in. They're saying, okay, I'm gonna play with who I got, but the guy guys opting out, they're going to go pro or they're not going to play at all. But some of them are going to go in the portal. Okay, it is what it is. The portals changed everything. The playoffs changed the Bulls. So that's yeah. where, again, Kirby got his guys to all play. But really, Kirby's only got one guy on that team that's a top 10 guy. Bowers. You know, guy, and that's Brock Bowers. And he got Bowers to play. Yeah. You know? But also, that's part of it's just Brock Bowers. It's also because he was hurt part of the season. Now he's healthy and he wants some tape. Right. Because I think he's trying to get to that top five. Yeah. Um, on on that Georgia end, you know, the we heard the four best teams argument and all that. And and, and I'm so glad Florida State didn't make the playoffs. But I look at that Georgia team, Bo, and they might be better than both Michigan and Washington. I think they're gonna beat be- every team again. I think if you matched up Georgia Georgia Bama again. Then I think Georgia wins six out of ten of those at least. Yeah, Georgia played one of their worst games of the season against Alabama. Yeah, they didn't play earlier in the season. The first really after week one and two, weeks three to like seven, they they were never like dominantly great the way they have been. Now, if I was if you asked which the best four teams going in, I would have taken Georgia, but. Again, I understand the argument of having Alabama in there as well. I understand having Texas in there. I understand. I, I had an argument for five teams. Do we have four of them? It sucks that Georgia lost one game and it was the last one. Right. You know, Especially since Bama should have lost to Al- Auburn. Yes. And I do think another part of it is Georgia's lack of good quarterback play is what really hurt them. Because if you look at the four teams that were in there, Everyone had their warts. You had two undefeated teams, and they had good quarterbacks. And you had the two one-loss teams, but you had good quarterbacks. Quinn Ewers and and Milrow. And you look and go, okay, I got these two guys. They're the little – it makes them a little sexier, so to speak, than it does when your Georgia doesn't have as good a quarterback. I think that's a part of it, too. And I – you could argue and say, well, last year they didn't have a good quarterback. The year before they didn't have a great quarterback. They were undefeated. Right. You know, I think that's part of it, too. I think that's the reason. That, I think in the end, that was the reason that they got in ahead of Texas. Yeah. Texas doesn't get in if Georgia has a good quarterback. They're, in the, they're the 15. The not thinking yeah. Two undefeateds are going to go. Right. Georgia just lost to Alabama. Alabama's Alabama. And then you got Georgia. So right. I think those are the four teams that would have been in. Yeah. In that situation. Talk uh, NFL playoffs. Uh, let's start on the uh, 
NFC side of things, um, things are interesting that NFC East, isn't it? I mean, like the Eagles have not played well down the stretch. The Cowboys were slumping for a bit, and now they had a win that they probably shouldn't have won this last week against Detroit. Um, the Niners haven't played great football, uh, obviously, out of the NFC West. We'll talk about the Niners here in a second. But uh, how do you think this this Cowboys-Eagles thing shakes out this weekend? And who, uh, what team do you like better to make a potential run? I, I, this is going to surprise people to say this. I think the Cowboys are the better team. Really. They're playing better. They're playing more consistently. Um, you know, they lost last week in a game that, you know, they won last week against Detroit. And then, you know, that, and they should have lost that game. I mean, Detroit should have scored there. But um, I think consistently right now, if you look at the last four to six weeks, you know, Dallas had kind of the stinker in Buffalo. But the Eagles have had a couple of stinkers. I think if I had to pick one right now, I'd take Dallas. Um, but either of them can get hot. And if Jalen Hurts is healthy, well, to me, that helps the Eagles kind of overcome some of their warts. You know, um, it is interesting because the last three weeks, it's like one's lost and the other one loses. It's like, okay, we no one can, can have some success here. And it looked like Philly was going to win. It didn't look like Dallas was going to win. It didn't look like Philly's going to win it. And now it's oh god! Right now the standings it's, it's it's Dallas right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's Dallas at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And so if they win, they're in. They play Washington. So I mean, I got to think that Dallas is going to go full strength, beat Washington, and they'll be the two seed. You know, the Eagles and they're playing. I uh, look that game again. Who are the Eagles playing? I had it earlier. They're at the Giants. Giants. Yeah, they should beat the Giants, but they should have beat the Cardinals last week. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. At least with Dallas, when they've lost games, they've been the good teams. Sure. You know, so I can kind of forgive that a little bit. Yeah, I think if I had to choose one right now, Dallas will have home games too, being the two seed. So that'll help. But I can see the Eagles beating them. I mean, I don't know how this is all going to work out. We still we still don't know a, a lot of things as far as what's going to happen with this playoff. There's still a lot of things up in the air. Bo, you know, we mentioned the Niners have not played their best as of late, the way they got handled against the, the, the Ravens on Christmas night. Cowboys, yeah. not so hot. Eagles, not so hot. Um, Detroit, kind of up and down lately. Um Rams getting hot. I, I think that the NFC can be won by San Fran, Dallas, Detroit, Philly, or Los Angeles. I, I like you, Tyler Jones. I like you, Tyler Jones. I think any of those five <laughs> would not shock I, me if they win the NFC. Even the Rams would not shock me at this point. Yeah. I, I, I think the Rams can go into Detroit and beat Detroit. But if they After have to go going play, back to Detroit – Win. Oh, it'll be the best one of the best storylines ever. Yeah. I also but if, if, they, if they beat Detroit and then have to go to Dallas, Dallas kicked the fucking dog shit out of the Rams. And I don't want to see Dallas beat my team like that again. Who of those five do you like best right now, uh Bo? Okay. I I look at it and I go, okay, unless you take it to them, the 49ers are gonna be hard to beat. But I look at the Cowboys and I go, okay, 
I see the flaws of what happened in the first game. And I also look at it, I don't think because the 49ers beat the Cowboys the first time, it automatically means they'll beat them again, even though they beat them up pretty good. I mean, if you look, they play the game 100 times, you're going to have a couple of outliers where you have a 20-point win. I think it's really what that was. I, I think the Lions are the team that when they play tough competition, they feel they feel disrespected. They feel they got a chip on their shoulder and they want to play their game. And I think they could beat anybody. I, I, it would not surprise me if not only did the Lions win the NFC, if they won the Super Bowl. Woo. But having said that, however, having said that, the Lions could lose the first game of the playoffs. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. I mean, their their variance of who they can be is a large variance. The team that's the smallest variance to me is the 49ers. They're very good. They do something nobody else does. It's run the ball, control the clock. You get ahead on them, they're going to keep running the ball, and they're going to do it so well. They're going to control the clock. They, 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 when they control the clock is big. you got to be ahead of them. Well, um, last thing in the NFC, then we'll move to the AFC side. Yep. The NFC South champ, I feel like, doesn't really matter. I know they get a home playoff game, but they'll lose to whoever they face. The number seven spot, Green Bay and Seattle, both very similar. They can beat some of these teams, but they can't make a deep playoff run. I could very well see Chicago upsetting Green Bay and Seattle beating Arizona and getting in, or Green Bay beating Chicago and, and staying in that spot. I think on any any given Sunday – Green Bay and Seattle very well could win a wild card round playoff game. But if they go beyond the divisional round, I would be shocked. I, I think there is a gap, a uh, significant gap to whoever that seven seed is. Yeah, The issue with the seven seed is the seven seed, whether it's the Packers or the Seahawks, has to go to Dallas. Yes. And winning at Dallas has been very hard this season. Right. Um, the Seahawks I, look really good. They came close a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and, and – and again, I think you look at it, that's one of those things where you look at the variances. Okay. The, the, most games are going to be close. I just think it's be hard for either of those two teams to, to certainly win two games, but to even win that game. Um, I think it's a joke that the NFC South champ gets to be the four seed because I don't care who it is, the five, they're going to beat whoever the team is, whether that's Tampa Bay, Atlanta, or New Orleans. Um, and whether it's Philly or Dallas, they're going to be the Philly or Dallas. They're going to just stop them. I mean, it's those are the those those all three of those teams: Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Atlanta are just not talented teams. They're all not coached well. Um, they all have problems at quarterback. Uh, they're all three middling at best teams in this league, and they they should not be able to host a playoff game. Look, this could actually happen. If Tampa were to lose to Carolina, I know it's a long shot, but stranger shit's happened. And Atlanta beats New Orleans. The Atlanta Falcons will have a home playoff game. The New Orleans Saints could have a home playoff game. The New Orleans Saints ought to be firing their staff today. And, and they may have a home playoff game. A division title saves all their jobs, probably. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I think that even just having a shot at the division title has saved Dennis Allen's job in New Orleans, which we know what that means for me personally. Yeah. Not means one more year not being a Saints fan. The AFC side of things. 
Yeah. Much different situation than the NFC side. Um, Baltimore, far and away, is the team to beat. They're big question marks. How would they do without Mark Andrews? They've looked just fine. Isaiah Likely stepped up, did a great job. Say Flowers has been awesome. OBJ looks great. Lamar Jackson's going to be the MVP. The defense looks like the best in football. This Ravens team, I don't think they're just the team to beat in the AFC, Bo. They're the team to beat for the whole thing right now. I 100% agree. They're the best team in the NFL. And they showed on Christmas night that they're better than the 49ers. Now, look, it, again, I talked about variance earlier, and I got to be consistent here and say, hey, with that, but they manhandled the 49ers. They beat the 49ers at their own game. Yep. They went up there and ran the ball on them and beat them around the right around the, their own home stadium. I look, I look at the Ravens and I go, that guy's a dude. Give me Lamar Jackson. And look, I'll come up to this. Lamar is a top three quarterback in this league. I think he's in the Mahomes category. I, I know he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but he's won his second MVP. And what he does is completely different than everybody else. But the consistency he's been, the consistent light that's gotten them through the injuries, gotten everybody where they needed to be. And in the end, quarterback play is important. And that's why I like the Ravens. I think the Ravens, I think the Ravens win the whole thing. I do. This, this second I think he's going to win the MVP. He's going to win a Super Bowl. And I think the argument's going to be, is he the second best quarterback in the league? And is he as good as Patrick Mahomes? And it's a different skill set, but the argument will be there. Yeah. And you get him a second MVP, you're giving him MVP a first ballot, first ballot gold jacket right there. Yeah, I think – well, and I think and he's he's so unique in how he can play. And I'll tell you what I'm most impressed with with him. I know you cover the Ravens, so you've seen this. When he's running, he's not just running now. Oh, he's looking down the field. He, I saw a couple plays against the 49ers. I've seen a few more of the times where it looks like he's going to go. And maybe Lamar Jackson, two or three years ago, even gets you a first down. But instead, he runs at three yards and then throws a freaking bullet to somebody 20 yards down the field. I think one thing and, that needs to be said, too, about the Ravens team, Bo. Um, Staffs are so important, right? You look at um, – we've talked a lot this year about how the Chiefs miss Eric Bieniemy right now. My, I, I think back to Super Bowl forty-three, where Mike Tomlin greatly benefited by having Bruce Arians on one side and Dick LeBeau on the other. I think with this Ravens team, you have maybe the best OC and the best DC in the league right now. Mike McDonald's been fantastic – uh, leading the defense, Todd Munkin has been awesome as the OC. He and Lamar have been on the same page. He's heard Lamar's game and taken him to the next step. I, I think you've got two future head coaches probably next year uh, leading the offense and the defense here. And that's been a huge reason why their success, specifically what Todd Munkin has done with Lamar's game. They're, they're so much better off than they were with Greg Roman last year. Yeah, and that's that's something. I mean, Greg Roman's health coach, too. And then you look at this and go, they're even better. Uh, Todd Mike has been great everywhere he's been. I mean, he was great at Georgia. He was great before that everywhere he's been. And and he's got he's got the ultimate play toy as far as a quarterback. He's going to go, this guy can run the ball. This guy can catch. He can, I mean, it didn't happen overnight. They went through their growing pains. But 
It worked. Dude, he, he can play. And I think when you've got him, it makes a huge difference. And, and look, I think you've also got to give John Harbaugh a lot of credit that he's – how can – the consistency of John Harbaugh for, what, 15, 10, 12 years now he's been their head coach? He's been to right. a Super Bowl. He's – you know, he he knows what he's doing. He's, he's won it once. I mean, he – it – the consistency he brings and he brings that not only the consistency, but he brings the know-how and the respect where everyone buys in and gets on the same page. Yeah. And the, and the team, and I mean the team, I mean the, the management of the team did right by Lamar when it was all said and done with his contract, they made him happy. They got him enough money and as much as he wanted guaranteed. And that made everybody excited to go there. And it made people excited to go play with him. I, it's a well-run franchise. It's a well-run team. It's a well-coached team, and they've got the pieces in place to be exceptional. Um, also, in that AFC side of things, um, you know, Tom and I, we, we have made fun of the Buffalo Bills a lot throughout this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I chose them to get to the Super Bowl, but we were the first to call them frauds. Tom, um, I, I'm I'm taking that back. I am backtracking on that. Like the Dolphins, I, I think I've never believed in the Dolphins all year. The Chiefs have been a problem. They're they're not a great football team right now. The Jags are not a great football team right now. We'll talk about the Browns in just a second. That's a great story in itself. But Bo, I, I think the biggest challenger of the Ravens in the AFC is going to end up being the Buffalo Bills. I expect them to beat the Dolphins and win the division this weekend. And I, I, I think that the biggest threat for Baltimore in that AFC is that Buffalo Bills team. They're, they're getting hot at the right time. Okay, so I, I half agree with you. Um, I don't know if they win this week, but they're in either way. Right. Uh, with, a little, with a little bit of help. They lose, they need a little bit of help, but they're in. And they are a problem for anybody, no matter if they're the two seed or the five seed or the, you know, the, or the six. I mean, they're going to be a problem for anyone they play. Um, honestly, if they're the six – Kansas City better hold on to their ass. Because that team will come in and whoop you. Buffalo um, would be favored in that game. I th- oh, I, absolutely. Even at Arrowhead, they would be. Um, yes. In the last four or five weeks, they've played as good as anybody. Josh Allen has turned it on. Now, he does make some mistakes. But he makes he tends to make up for his mistakes. It, there's going to be something there. I, I, I think that they're a team that's – yeah, I agree with you that they're going to be a problem for whomever they have to play, whether they're on the road or at home. And if they do get home games, if they do get to see by beating Miami, um, that's going to be an issue for a lot of teams going up there to play. Yeah. Even Baltimore would not want to face that Buffalo team. Like, Yeah. But those teams, I think they're very similar as well, though. Yes. I think that Allen is similar to Lamar – we, we talk more, about coaching, though. We talk about coaching, though. I, miles away, would take that Baltimore staff over Buffalo. Yes. I also like Baltimore defense better. Yes. Uh, let's talk Cleveland now. What a story. 11 wins. Uh, they're locked in that five seed. They're actually sitting Joe Flacco this week because they don't need to, which just a crazy story. Um, obviously it's incredible what the elite quarterback Joe Flacco has done over the last <laughs> few weeks. And that defense has been one of the best in football all season long. 
Uh, Stefanski's done a great job coaching that group. Bo, um, are you buying the the Browns? Can this team make a run, or is this just a feel-good story for now? They can make a run. I'll tell you why. They run the football. Yep. They have a quarter. Without, Nick, Chubb, might, without Nick Chubb, too. Yeah. Um, they can run the football. Joe Flacco, there's never been a doubt that Joe Flacco did not have a cannon for a freaking arm. Like, get him open. Would you love to see Joe Flacco have Tyreek Hill? Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, imagine. I mean, this is the one guy. He He's just got incredible arm talent. Um, so when you have that run game, you have to play up. You're going to get one and one-on-ones. They've got a couple of good receivers. And Njoku is a different cat. Um, um, Cooper has played incredibly well in the last month and a half. And then you go and you play that defense. That's the, it's the best defense in the league. It's a historically good defense. Like, it might be the best defense in the last – few years i mean it's and miles garrett i know that we have to give the quarterback an mvp but miles garrett's the best football player in the nfl like i don't think it's close like miles garrett's the best football player in the nfl and he is going he's the guy that's going to make a play he's just going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming he's what aaron donald was a couple of years ago i mean he's that dominant uh, Donald's just kind of slipped off because of age. I mean, it's that happens to everybody. It'll happen to Miles Garrett at some point. Cleveland matches up, and the fact they're the five and have to play the four, it gives them okay, whether that's Jacksonville, um, can Indy get that five four seed? Um, potentially, yes. Yeah, I think they have to win, and the Jags would have to, have to lose. Yeah, yeah. yeah which I don't think happens. I think that the Texans are going to beat the Colts. But um, but even if it's, the, if it's the Jags, the Browns will be a favorite in that game. They'll probably beat them. And then you look, well, you're going to be matching up most likely with the number one seed. Well, the Browns know the Ravens. You know, they, they, they have some familiarity there already. And the thing that could stop again, a great, great defense, even in the league with all the rules slanted toward the offense the way it is, a great defense to keep you in any game. Last thing. Uh we'll end on this, Bo. Um, of those wild card spots, very interesting race there in the AFC. The Pittsburgh Steelers, man, you talk about timing. They are so glad to be getting the JV Baltimore Ravens this week. In a must-win game, granted, they've been playing better football. Mason Rudolph's looked great. The run game finally came alive with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren there. Um, I mean, granted, yes, twofold. The Steelers are playing better, but Bo, uh, it's kind of unfortunate this is going to work out the way it probably will, most likely for for Pittsburgh, that that Baltimore sitting their starters just falls right in their lap and probably going to turn into a playoff spot for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, look, look it, I'm trying to look at this real quick. I'm looking at the playoff deal here. So here's what I, I, I think actually happens. Um, I think the Texans beat the Colts. I think the Browns end up beating the uh, the Bengals. And then I think the Jags end up beating the beating the, uh, the, the, uh, the Titans. If that happens, then the Steelers don't get in. It ends up being the seventh seed is Houston. Um and then Buffalo's the six, Cleveland's the five. Uh, assuming a Buffalo loss to Miami, uh, that could that would just be flip flop the other way. 
Um, yeah, the Steelers just kind of got it dropped in their lap. It's kind of like what's happened in the NFC South. Like someone shitty is going to get in the playoff. But of the teams still contending for that last spot, they're the worst. Like Indy's better. I um, I think Houston's better. I think Houston's better than most than all of them. Um, I think even the Jags are better, but I don't think the Jags are very good. Um, so in the end, I kind of look at it and go, well, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, it, for the Steelers, they've kind of lucked into the situation. And then, as you put it, they're playing the JV version of the Ravens. But the Ravens may have something up their sleeve. I mean, they may go out there. They, they still want to beat the Steelers. Yes, and if you look, their offense will run like their normal offense. Their backup quarterback is just like Tyler he plays Huntley. like yeah. Todd Hudley. Plays just like him. So that they've done that on purpose. They've done. They have the same style of quarterback. He's not as good. I mean, clearly, but their offense will click the same way. And so. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens just win the game. I mean, it's going to be in Baltimore, and right. you get to eliminate a division rival. You know, why not? I do understand why you sit Lamar and you sit some of those other guys. I do understand that. You know, some people will argue, well, they're going to have two weeks off. It doesn't matter. Look, it, either way, someone's going to bitch about it. So why don't you play to the side of safety and go ahead and, and, and sit them? But, uh, yeah, you're back to your Steelers' point. Yeah, it's – it's lucked out in their case. But I do think in the end, the team I'm watching is the Houston Texans. See, they I think we're going to see a Mike Tomlin master class. That's interesting. I, I, Mike I mean, Tomlin master class. I don't know yeah. if I'd call it a master class when you're playing the Ravens JV team. but Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to have to have something for them as well. They've not been a good – they have not played well. For, the last, for really the whole season, and they haven't been consistent at all. They've been playing hot potato quarterback. Who is playing, been playing Mason Rudolph? Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Their last two wins, I'll say, they looked really good against Seattle and Cincinnati both. Yeah. Now I didn't see the game last week, so I didn't see. I didn't see a lot of the games last week. They, they dominated. They, they ran for two hundred yards on the road. Yeah. I just don't know. I look at it and go, well, yeah. I mean, don't play the Ravens. I think. I like the Ravens in the game. I see that the Ra- that the Steelers are the favorite in the game. I think they're four point favorites. What I yeah. saw earlier too. So um, I mean, the the Steelers are built a lot like the Browns, really. Yeah, great run game, great defense, shitty quarterback. But the difference is the <laughs> shitty quarterback for sure. Um, but the difference <laughs> is the Browns' defense is entirely a different level better. Right. I mean, it's just that's a historically good defense, especially in these rules where, you know, pass interference and all the different stuff that you're going to have that's slanted toward the offenses. The all fact right, that Cleveland's we, been as dominant, that's amazing. Before we end, before we end here, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to ask both of you. I want two picks out of you both. I want your, I want your Super Bowl pick from what we know right now. And I want your chaos Super Bowl pick. Like okay. chaos, like make motherfuckers mad. <laughs> oh, the, the the chaos pick is easy, Bo. It's Browns Lions. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> mom, good. Yeah. Oh my god, um, that's the chaos pick. The, really, yeah. like this is setting up for what we talked about at the very beginning of this segment. The script's already been written. Ravens Niners. Oh my god. <laughs> right, so I'm gonna go off. That's right, so Joe, first... Joe, is that your pick? 
Yeah, I got Ravens Niners. I got Ravens winning it all. Okay, all right. I got the Lions Browns. Jesus. Right. I got ba- I got Baltimore winning it all. I got them winning the AFC. I'm going to take Dallas in the NFC. That's okay. the team that I think. Right, if I had to pick, I just something's going to happen with San Francisco. One, they're going to have to play two tough games in a row, and I think that one of them they slip. Um, the chaos picks to me. I think it's also Detroit, and I think it can happen. The real chaos pick is the Houston Texans. Oh my god! No, they get in there as a seven. That's a team that could go beat Miami or Buffalo, and they could have something for Baltimore. I or like I have been extremely impressed with what they're doing, and they're ahead of schedule. They're going to be even better a year from now and two years from now. That's a whole young team that doesn't know better and just thinks, "Fuck it, we're going to play and we're going to be physical with you." So sure. don't be surprised. The Texans are the they're the Oklahoma City Thunder of the NFL. Yeah, so think, I mean they're the team that can go in there and wreck shit. And uh, and I think well, you think Texans match up Lions chaos. Texas versus Lions, that'd be something. Um, my, my, oh. my pick, my, I'm going to stick with my pick, Dallas Bills. Okay, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. Chaos. I'm going to say Dallas Browns and the Browns win the Super Bowl. That would spin Dallas into a spiral. Um, I didn't ask you earlier, Bo. Uh, you you like Michigan Monday or are you going to Washington? I, I don't know how I feel. I, I think it's all going to come down to we're going to know early in this game. Michigan can't play from behind and Washington can't. The, the team that's behind early is not going to come back. Um, it's tied up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it's a this is a tough game to pick. I think from the you look at the defense, Michigan's better defense. What Michigan did to Alabama makes me want to pick them, but then I also know how inconsistent Alabama's offense really has been through the through the year. So I don't want to give them too much credit. You're wearing a purple shirt, Washington. Okay. I'm gonna pick, sure, I think buddy. I'm going to pick the better quarterback and the uh, the team that can score points. I, I like the trenches. Uh, I'm going Michigan, but yeah. I, I don't think it's by a ton. I think we got a good game Monday night. I think we're going to have a really good game Monday, and I think that either team, is whoever wins it, is going to deserve it. And uh, these teams will meet again on October 5th as members of the Big Ten. Yeah. Isn't it funny how – in the um the, the playoff, it did come down to two SEC and two Big Ten schools. Oh yeah, there's a year early on a couple of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very yeah. fascinating. Bo, appreciate time as always. I know we went long today. But, uh, great stuff, man. Uh, happy New Year to you. Uh, what's uh what's coming on the podcast here soon? Hey, we got a whole shitload of stuff to talk about. We've got obviously a review of what's going on with the playoff and the NFL. Uh, we're going to get into some basketball. We've got a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to be recording. Ellen and I will be recording this the next couple of days, and we may even have a couple of shows back-to-back in the two- to three-day period. So uh, start liking, start following the Coach Bono's podcast, and we're going to blow up your uh, your your Apple Podcasts uh, feed here in a little bit. Looking forward to it. Bo, appreciate it. Time's always. Talk to you next week. Hey, thank you. Time for our Tom Fuller's story of the week, our final segment. Thomas Bridges standing by with something 
ridiculous or absurd happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, we're going to your uh we're going to the to the health section or to the um you know, the shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, toothpaste, lotion, uh that stuff the, you can't do the stuff you can't do without. Right. I mean you're just your your bathroom essentials and your your beautification needs. Okay. Um or you know, you could say this this type of lotion that we're going to talk about could even be like Bath and Body Works type shit. It's looking like but this comes from Newsweek, and Jones. I don't know. I'm sure you know this. My my two fears, my two sometimes irrational fears, are needles and spiders. Okay, I'll pick up a snake any day as long as it's not like venomous. I'm not going to pick up a rattlesnake. But a python at the zoo or just a like a garter snake or something like that, absolutely, I'll pick it up. Lizard, pick it up. Spider, no way. Jones, this body lotion went viral, and it, says, it reads, like I said from Newsweek, reads, body lotion accused of attracting giant spiders. Absolutely not. Uh, arachnophobes, look away now. There is a brute beauty product on the market that people claim attracts spiders. Oh, this is in Sephora, so makeup store. Oh, I love Sephora. Sephora shoppers are cautioning beauty enthusiasts not to buy the Sol de Janeiro Delicia Drench Body Butter. What a mouthful. Uh, Because they say it brings forth enormous spiders. Okay, now this is ridiculous in itself. Let me get this. This all started when one person wrote a review saying the product which retails for $22 to $48. $48 for body lotion? Get the fuck out of here. I'd never went wrong with just the classic Johnson & Johnson baby lotion, um, which retails for $22 to $48 online and in Sephora stores attracts wolf spiders. You know, wolf spiders, non-venomous, but the, I've seen some pretty big ones. If you're scared of wolf spiders, watch out for these lotions, LOL. I wanted to love them so bad, but one of the ingredients is like when I put it on, instantly one will come out. Normally I'll see one every like three years use this, and it was like every day. I stopped using it and I haven't seen one since. The one-star review reads, Oh, and one time the spider wanted to eat whatever ingredient it is in it so bad that it chased me. I swear on everything. I'd run left. It ran left. I ran right. It ran right. Like it was legit following the scent. And no, the scent isn't that good. Nothing a $5 vanilla cream can't match. So yeah, do be careful if you're frightened of spiders, especially the big wolf ones. This post has since birthed a handful of reviewers who have written similar claims on the Sephora website. I like the smell and consistency. However, every time I've worn this, I've noticed spiders, one person wrote. If you're a fan of soft, hydrated skin with tropical scent that screams vacation and spiders, then this is the cream for you. I had to call multiple people because I can't even sleep in my own house anymore. There's literally family of wolf spiders living in every room in my house. Okay, yeah, I'm, this is be what's my worst nightmare. The original review also sparked Reddit and X, formerly Twitter, users to experiment to see whether the claims were true. One X user posted an image of an alleged wolf spider by after using the body butter while an amateur investigation on the R Sephora subreddit wrote about applying a sample of lotion on a piece of tissue. They said it allegedly attracted eight spiders in a single day. 
This is insane. Another Redditor said if the cream contains, uh, give me here, farden, farnesyl acetate, disobutyl, whatever, all these little chemicals, there's a chance that spiders could be attracted to it. There's a two-component female-produced pheromone of spider. It basically signals for sexual communication, they wrote. The chemical analysis reveals that the farnesyl acetate and the hexadecyl acetate of the spider webs exhibited higher relative abundance in sexually receptive females. Also, two choice behavioral essays verified that the blend of these chemicals attracted males. They continued, summary, combine these chemicals in the right dosage, and it might bring all the thirsty boy spiders to your yard because you may also smell like a thirsty girl spider. This sounds horrible. In a later edit of their post, they did clarify that they don't know whether the product in question contains the above chemicals, but they say they are very commonly used in skincare in general, and we as customers do not know what's actually in the fragrance part of that ingredient list. Someone posted screenshots of this on Reddit, comment to X, and added, it's literally made out of spider pheromones. You can't make this up. Y'all are wearing spider pheromones and attracting all the male spiders. Oh, my God. Jones, there's more to this, but I want your opinion. Absolutely not. A lot of people get, take showers at night. I'm a, sh- a morning shower person um, myself. Every now and I mean, I like a good shower at night and then getting in the fresh, clean sheets. Unparalleled feeling. Right. But I know a lot of people get out of the shower and put lotion on. You're telling me there's no way. You just put this lotion on, you wake up in a bed full of spiders. I would jump out of the fucking window. That sounds more burn, burn the house down. Yeah. Um, I'm a shower at night guy, but I, I'm not messing with like lotion and all that afterwards and you know, attracting the spiders like that that that, that sounds like a, a literal nightmare of sorts. So like, yeah, uh I, I'm I'm now I'm second guessing my my nighttime showers. Yeah, you get all lotioned up and get ready for big daddy wolf spider to come jump in bed with you. <laughs> absolutely not Let's get this so uh, uh, the people from the lotion place said oh wait a second however a Sol de Janeiro representative rubbished the claims that the Delicia drenched body butter could attract spiders clarified that it doesn't have those chemicals that attract the spiders Sol de Janeiro takes the safety and concerns of its consumers extremely seriously they told Newsweek the brand carefully selects each ingredient for maximum efficacy and have banned the use of over 100 cosmetic ingredients and formulations while remaining at the forefront of developments in science and new standards around the world to ensure human environmental health and safety, only working with partners who support the company's commitment to sustainable sourcing and science-backed safe biomedics. Uh, Those chemicals are not present in any of our products, particularly that body butter. Any claims that says otherwise are false and have no merit whatsoever. While we cannot speak to the effect these aforementioned chemicals have on arachnids, we confidently can say these chemicals are not present in any of our products. Uh, Newsweek also reached out to Sephora for comment via email on Friday. Other people have been quick to lambast these claims, pointing out the fact that misinformation was being spread simply based on the initial Sephora review. This is a made-up rumor based on one Sephora user's review. Reviewer goes by the name Sephora usernames Kim Katz and wrote the an, an almost identical review of the Sol de Janeiro Brazilian Joya hair conditioner back in March of this year. 
they're just trying to have fun or they truly have a grievance with Sol de Janeiro is uncertain. What is clear is they're trying to spread misinformation, and to their credit, they've managed to have dozens of websites write about the wolf spider problem. Sure, it's led to loss of sales, and at the very least, most serious, serious brand defamation. I know it's all been fun and games, but I just want to nip this in the bud before it gets even bigger. There's not a correlation between this or any other Sol de Janeiro product and wolf spiders. Um, some say they're using it, and they haven't seen an increase in spiders. It's been absolutely ridiculous. I've been wearing it for days and zero spiders. One Reddit user commented, I've had I've had it and used it, no spiders. It's moisturizing and not greasy. Stint sticks around. I'll buy the mist when it comes out, said another. Jones, I'm not taking any chances. Obviously, I'm not going to wear a woman's body lotion, but I don't give a shit if there's some, you know, candlewood and leather scent shit. Absolutely not. I'm not taking any chances if... I, and and down here in Texas, it's hot. There's you know it. Oh yeah. There's you know there's spiders are still out, man. There's no you know I'm sure a bunch of these bitches probably up in Michigan are like, well, I haven't seen any spiders. Well, yeah, it's fucking negative twenty out there. I didn't know um, spiders had anything to do with the weather. Oh, I mean spiders. Obviously, they're not going to be out in the when it's cold. Oh right. I mean they're going to you know, burrow underground or go away for the winter. Um, that, or maybe they're in your fucking house. Who knows? But I'm not taking any chances whatsoever. I've seen some tarantulas around here when I first got here and I'm not even taking that chance. I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if the spider walks in on a hundred dollar bill. I'm not taking any, any of the chances like that. I will stick to the traditional, what I have right now, Dove regular non-scented lotion. <laughs> I'm not taking any chances. You're, you're not a Vaseline guy? No, no. Um, yeah, it is. I'm trying to look at it right now. I, it's just don't the use lotion. I just don't use lotion. I guess I'm not missing out. Yeah, I don't use a whole lot. I do on my elbows and my knees. Um. You know, I am a I am a I am a connoisseur of nice shampoo. Yeah, me too. I do. I do. You. I mean, I use the expensive brands like the High Tresemme. I use Tresemme. Yeah. Yeah, Tresemme is the shit, and my, I, no spiders. You remember, so my, far. you remember when my sister moved moved in with me when we were roommates for a little bit? She made me stop uh, buying the the three in one shampoo conditioner and, and and body soap. She's like, you're you're an adult now. You need to take better care of your hair than that. You gotta get real shampoo. And and yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah. I don't like the three in one. It makes my hair always feel weird. And I'm like a big like if that's like shower in the morning. Even if I was to take a shower at night, getting clean sheets in the morning I'd still wake up and be like, oh I gotta have a shower. Yeah. And it just makes me awake in the morning more so. Um, but yeah, never had that problem with Tresemme. Um, straight up, uh, I don't even know what kind of, I, there's a blue label on a black bottle. I just know it works. Um, and use the unscented lotion for elbows, knees. I put it on my feet too. Feet will dry out. Um, yeah. I mean, and shoulders, sometimes shoulders. It depends, especially in the wintertime. 
but now I'm in Texas where it's not even cold, so my skin doesn't really dry out. But yeah, Jones, I'm not dealing with anything that could attract any spiders whatsoever. That's just uh now thank God I haven't I haven't seen any spiders in my apartment townhouse yet. But I got here at the end of, you know, this this spring when it really warms up. Then then I'll watch now in the Tulsa townhouse that I had, there was big wolf spiders um that would come, but it was more it was like a lot a lot more wet and like there was it retained water like a lot around those apartments so maybe yeah, that's the yeah. thing i'd like to know where all these people are from when like when I, was in, when I was in college in the dorms tom at oh half, yeah you better believe some of the some of the shit we saw like i, I saw a squirrel one time <laughs> the what i saw it was I inside saw, Oh yeah, I just ran right through the front door. Yeah, and, uh, I don't know if we ever found the squirrel. Uh, oh my gosh, there was uh, there, there was there was rats several different times. Like, it, well, I'm sure you probably saw some good sized spiders in those communal showers. Oh yeah, the communal shower. Yeah, I mean, uh, you better believe. Like, I, I I was not getting up in the middle of the night to go piss in the communal shower. You know, to, uh, Uncle uh, almost use the old. Uh, you used the old uh, okay. gallon method, did you? Tom, Tom gave me a trip trick when I was in college. He said, "Don't, don't, don't waste your time there. Don't, don't want to be, you know, fighting, you know, spiders and all that. You need to leave a, a Gatorade bottle by your bed or something, just pissing that, you know." I mean, I don't blame you. I would have done the same thing, and and like now, obviously, I wouldn't do it, but obviously, I have a, you know, my own space. But I never, I never had a, you know, a shared bathroom. But by God, I'll tell you what, I would not have, I would have not, I don't know how close it was to your dorm either, I can't remember, but to like walk way down the hall to take a leak oh, yeah, in the middle of down, the night. It was down the hall, yeah. And those lights in that hallway were just like a freaking hospital. Like, yeah. good luck, good luck getting right back to sleep if you wake up and had to take a leak. Right. By the time you come back, well, you might as well just go to IHOP and get started on a pot of coffee. There, There is nothing I, I hate more, Tom, than when I really need sleep and I have to wake up in the middle of the night to piss. Yeah, and unfortunately for us, Jones, it only gets worse as you get older. I've, like, you know, I always, have a, days I always I, have a cup of water by my bed. There's days like I, I want to sleep till noon or something, and I can't sleep till noon because I got to piss at 6 o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm trying to think. I mean, there's I'd say probably about twice a week I'll wake up, but I'm I don't know what it is. My body clock will wake me up and maybe I'm dreaming about spiders or something, obviously, because every morning at like three thirty, no matter what time I go to sleep, like last night last night while we were talking till about midnight on recording the other segments and talking and stuff. And I probably didn't go to sleep till 1230, like clockwork, 336, woke up on the spot, went in, took a leak, went back to sleep, always in the witching hour. So I don't know what's, I don't know what's it, uh, what's up with that. Maybe it's spiders, maybe it's Maybelline, but it's definitely not that body lotion. Yeah. Yeah, I, for sure. On that note, uh, we got to get out of here. Big thanks to Omar Ruiz for joining us, uh, Coach Bo, you the listener as well, for starting off 2024 here 
on the Jones Report this week. New episodes out each and every week on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to podcasts, download today. Tell a friend, subscribe, and uh, you can hit us up on social media, X at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges. Uh, also, Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Insta Thomas, Tyler Jones Live. You can find us there. For Thomas Bridges, Coach Bo, Omar Ruiz, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Joe We'll see you next week.